I'm Glennon Doyle, author of Untamed and host of the podcast, We Can Do Hard Things. On We Can Do Hard Things, my wife, Abby, my sister, Amanda, and I talk honestly about the hard parts of life. Join us and guests like Michelle Obama, Tracy Ellis Ross, and Brene Brown as we have refreshingly honest conversations. New episodes are out every Tuesday and Thursday. So listen to and follow We Can Do Hard Things, an Odyssey podcast, available now for free on the Odyssey app and everywhere you get your podcasts. And welcome to it, everybody. Another edition of Gwen and Chris, Wednesday afternoon, coming at you for the next four hours on San Diego's number one Sports Talk Station, 97.3 The Fan. Chris Ello broadcasting from beautiful, yes, put it on your bucket list now, Logan, Utah. Tony Gwynn Jr., Matt Scraby, much more familiar and comfortable surroundings there at the Odyssey Palace Studios in San Diego. How are you guys? I'm uh, trusting that the weather is a little nicer there and the rain has gone away. The rain has uh, subsided. Still gray for the most part outside, but a little gray though. It's huh? nice right. it's nice not to to be wet for, you know, at least the next 3 or 4 days. I hear there's another storm coming next week though, so. Yeah, well, the, the storms mean different things in different places. <laughs> I understand there's a storm due in here to Logan, Utah tonight around midnight that's going to dump a bunch of snow on the area, but oh, that for now fun. Yes, a balmy 36 degrees as uh, we get ready for our Aztec women's basketball game later tonight. Guys, we've got a good show lined up and uh, included a little bit later on will be another edition of our Fantabulous Sports Game Show. And uh, Matt Scraby will be looking to get on the board for the first time in 2024. I wanted to say one thing, Tony, before we get started tonight. Have at it. And I didn't get a chance to get into it yesterday because I was on for such a short time. But on Monday night, uh, during the rainstorm, as you guys remember, I had to go referee basketball. And so I had the occasion to be in the car after our show was over. And so I tuned in for the first time to the Scraby Chronicles. And I'm going to tell you, Tony, what I told Mr. Scraby yesterday. He is doing an excellent job on that show. He sounds really, really good. Yeah. And I, I wanted to pass along my congratulations. And I, and I want to invite everybody who hasn't yet stayed tuned after our show to listen to Mr. Scraby from 6 to 7. You know, Tony, he even talked about the 49er Lions game or the 49er, uh, what was it, Packer Packers, game. yeah. Yes, he even talked about that on his show Monday without sounding like a full-blown homer. I, I was, I, I was, you know, very, very proud of him. So. I, I have to say, it's funny that you bring this up. Oh, uh, no. I had basically, uh, it's my first cousin, but he's basically my my brother. Uh, come to the house, we watched the Laker game, and he's he listens to our show all the time. And it's funny that you happen to bring this up today because sitting there watching the Laker game halftime, and he goes, "You know what, man." I'm not going to lie to you. I thought the Scraby Chronicles were going to be uh, horrible. I'm, wow. I'm, this is a true story. Wow. This is a true story. But I tell you what, man, Scraby is doing a really good job. He's I was blown away by wow. by how good it actually was. I he's I, I can't I can't stress this enough. I thought it was going to be bad, but it it's not. It's really really good. So that so that is like it, it, I mean, it, it, there's a compliment in there somewhere, Scrape. I promise you that I didn't talk to Chris about this 
This was something that just happened to come up yesterday about how good of a job yeah. you're doing with your hour. Wow. And uh, Chris is only confirming that. Well, thank you. Yeah, you sounded really good. Uh, and and I, I really enjoyed your I actually one of those situations that I know happens to our listeners once in a while. But I arrived at my destination just as you were bringing up your question of the night, which was, is kicker the worst position in sports <laughs> to be if you fail? Yeah. And I really wanted to hear you know, what people said about that, and I didn't get to hear the response. I thought that was a good subject matter. And I was curious how that turned out. Thank you for uh, saying that, Chris. Thank you for saying that, Tony. I didn't pay these guys either. Uh, in, in fact, you guys know me. I probably stress out more than anyone. And I'm probably sitting there thinking, man, this is the worst thing I've ever done. And That's then, part of the reason why I felt like we, I needed to say that at least. Yeah. I know half of the time you think... You're doing a, yes. a horrible job, and that's not the case. Yeah. Anyway, so the question is, kicker the worst position in sports when you fail. Uh, some of the answers, people agreed, but some of the answers were goalie. Tony and I talked about goalie before he left the studio, and we said, yeah, but goalie, you're not really you're required not yeah, to save. You're not expected to and make those And you have to put saves. him in the position of game winner or eliminating kick type right. thing. Right, which would, be, which would be in soccer would be a peak penalty kick. Yeah, right? which isn't that much pressure on the goalie, I don't think. No. I mean, there's pressure. but And then they, someone else said a closer uh, giving up a walk-off home run. But I was like, if you're a closer giving up a walk-off home run in the World Series to end the World Series, I think that might surpass kicker. <laughs> but if kicker misses a Super Bowl field goal, that's also pretty bad, too. Uh, and then yeah, we got the one, one more was, sorry, oh, Chris, um, the last one why can't I think of it all of a sudden? Um, Why can't I think of the closer in Philly, Mitch? Mitch not, Williams. Mitch Williams. Walk off, Grant. Yeah, walk he, off he, home. He uh, gave World up Series. the walk off and uh, to Joe Carter. But yeah, but you know who else gave up a walk off? Not a home run, but a walk off loss in the World Series was Mariano Rivera. Ah, mm. yes. To the hey. Arizona Diamondbacks, and he Luis of course got down as the greatest. The greatest uh, closer in the history of baseball, even though us Trevor Hoffman fans might uh, want to argue that a little bit. But uh, no, I thought it was a good topic, and I don't think there is. I, I think even though these other answers, I think blowing a kick, you know, as uh, Tyler Bass did for the Buffalo Bills the other day, is probably the loneliest feeling you could have in all of sports. I, I don't think there's one worse. I saw him on the bench. Yeah. The reason I thought about this was I saw him on the bench even when they were still the game was still being played, and he looked like he wanted to crawl into a hole and never come out. I mean, it was a classy move by Josh Allen waiting for him at the as they were walking off the field and kind of gave him a hug. I think specifically because of how kickers are viewed by their team. <laughs> And by the outside world, it probably is the most long. I mean, they practice by themselves. That's true, yeah. They're they're like basically, you know, segregated away from where the regular yeah. regular players are. They they are you often on the sideline by themselves. And, you know, I, I think because of that, because a closer's with his team, right? He's with his team until he goes out for that ninth inning and it's him. Um was a, a goalie yeah, he's by himself during the game, but he's for the most part a part of the team. I think the kicker is probably the worst the worst spot to be in. The only other thing that I could even think that would rival the feeling that Tyler Bass must have, and this isn't in a team sport, but I remember a golfer by the name of Sandy Lyle. Oh yeah. Who was at the Masters in the mid eighties and had a one foot putt on eighteen to win the Masters. 
and missed it. Oh. And then lost in the playoff to Nick Faldo. And by the way, as great as Nick Faldo is, look up his career. He was the recipient of all kinds of lucky things like that that helped him win his <laughs> that's, majors. That's that's I a mean, tough one to have. Because he your, ended up winning that Masters, and it, and he would have never won it. Of course, the guy missed a one foot putt and he never lived it down. But it, it, but in the same time, he was only letting himself down. He wasn't right. letting down the entire team, right? And an entire city and an entire. Uh oh. Uh oh. All right. Well, it was a good. It was. It was good. pretty crazy. Oh, there you uh, go. We lost you there. Yeah, for we a lost second. you for one second. What? Can you hear my back? Yeah, you know, you're yeah. back now. Well, I had a phone call come in. So ah, <laughs> there you go. Yes, I can hear you now. Okay. Can you hear me? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, there, you know, you bring up Sandy Lyle, but there was also uh, Jean Vandeveld. All right, we're back. <laughs> can you hear me, Chris? Oh, that, that was a massive failure. He's yeah. super delayed. I okay. can't. Hold on, hold on. Chris, you're delayed. <laughs> Hang up and call right back. We're going to check on you in the, the commercial break because you're a little bit behind. Yeah, but that, yeah. that phone call put him put him about another five seconds behind us there. Uh, yeah, Vandeveld, I don't know. Do you remember him, Tony? I don't. Uh, John Vandeveld, he was 1999, the Open Championship, and he came to the last hole up a bunch, and he ended up hitting it into this like little moat thing. And then he couldn't hit it out of the moat thing. And then he just, everybody was like, oh, my God, he cannot take another shot. And then it was, like, still in the moat. Why didn't he just take the penalty? Because at a certain point, you're, you've already penalized yourself by trying this. So if you take a penalty, there's going to be additional So strokes. he took too many shots. He took a lot of shots. He, before he decided to, uh, did he eventually take He got penalty? out eventually. <laughs> um, oh, man. Uh, he had to take. He did have to take a penalty drop. I'm remembering remembering this kind of backwards, but he had a six in that. But he came to the the final tee, like winning with it in hand, and he ended up just losing Botching everything. It. Yeah, so same with uh, Adam Scott. He did that. I don't know how many he was up, but Ernie Els came from behind. Adam Scott like collapsed, and after they asked him, "Well, what are you gonna? How are you gonna handle this?" and he was like, "I'm going to." The European mountain. I'm going to the Alps and turning off all electronics and just sitting there for days. Yeah, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. When we get Chris back, I got to get his uh, take on his defensive coordinator being out. Chris, are you there? Nick Fangio. I think I am. Okay, you're, you're I, better now. I think now. I am. You're better now. Vic, uh, okay. Chris, did you see the Vic Fangio news? No, I didn't see that. It must have just happened moments ago. Yeah, out as the Dolphins' uh, defensive coordinator, now a top target for the Eagles. In terms of that yeah. uh, same position, I don't, I, I don't know what you can, why you'd blame that guy. He had six uh, starters out on defense in the playoffs, but you know, obviously Miami thinks they're going to do better. I, I, I think he did an all right job, uh, and to me, their offense was what failed them the most in the in December yeah. and in the playoffs. So I, I don't agree with that, but. You know, when you're not on the inside, you don't know exactly what's going on. We'd, so. be, we'd be remiss if uh, we didn't talk about our Aztecs last night, taking care of business at home. We can get into the thick of it um, on the other side, but good win for, for the Aztecs. Uh, after a complete, I don't want to say slow start, but just what you expect in a Mountain West Conference game. Yeah, Wyoming was 3-2. and two. I mean, it wasn't like they were a gimme. And, uh, you know, they say that good teams win, great teams cover uh, the spread. The Aztecs weren't a great team last night. They didn't cover the spread, but they were plenty good enough to 
to pull away in the second half, and I just love it when Lamont Butler has that good of a game because he's such a great kid, and yeah. it's wonderful to see him play like that. He was outstanding last night. Britt Sobleski joins us uh, in the later in this hour. We'll talk a little bit about the AFC NFC Championship matchups. It's, uh, I mean, in one set one set of the games, you got like the the David versus Goliath. The other, you got two heavyweights standing in the middle of the ring. It should be uh should be a fun weekend of, of sports again. You got Goliath versus Goliath. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. By the way, I'm be good. All right. Um, no, I don't know why I did that. Go ahead, Chris. No, I want to hear. <laughs> I'm bringing up Brock Purdy. Oh, because I thought we were going <laughs> to. I thought we were going to stall for a second. But uh, so I have been known to not be the biggest Pat McAfee fan in the world. Oh, now you love Pat. Huh? I, on this particular take, Pat McAfee is spot on, and I can't play it because there's a lot of swear words in it. But basically, what he said was. Why is everybody being so mean to Brock Purdy when this so dude... So mean. Will you calm down? <laughs> he said so he's... why. No, he didn't say that. I can't say what Pat McAfee said because it was bleep, 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 bleep. But he basically said Brock Purdy has done nothing but continue to work his way up. He was Mr. Irrelevant, came to the team as a third-string emergency quarterback, found his way to the backup, found his way to the starter, then... He finds his way into a season where he is the starter, and he's leading categories in uh, around the NFL, like QBR and all that stuff, and, and yards per attempt, stuff like that. And everybody's giving him a hard time. This dude uh, uh, has really worked for everything he's got. I he's not a number one pick. I think that's fake news. I really that's not fake news. I think it's fake news. I don't think anybody's saying he's bad or he's not great. I just say huh? I just think they're saying he's not on the level of Josh Allen. Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. I think that's all they're saying. And if you're not in the elite three, oh my gosh, the world's not coming to. There an are end. a lot of people saying he's not a good quarterback. I don't. I haven't heard one person. You say know, he's the only not person that I've heard, the only person I've heard say that he's not a good quarterback is one Matthew Scraby, <laughs> who said that after Brock Purdy <laughs> threw four interceptions against the Ravens no, a few weeks ago. No, I did not ago. say that. You're I the only person that. I've heard say that. I said that after the Vikings <laughs> lost, not... Oh, so you did say it. It was just after a different It game. was out of emotion. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, well, we'll see if you still feel this way Monday, if he has a tough time oh, he's against my guy. the Lions. He's my guy. That's what we'll he's see. My guy. All right, we'll see if you stay with him. All right, stay with us. Gwen and Chris underway for a Wednesday. Lots of good stuff to come between now and 6 o'clock on 97.3 The Fan. 2.21 on the clock. Tony Gwynn Jr., Chris Sello, Matt Scraby, Chris out, and Logan, Lady Aztecs. What time's the game tonight? Uh, 5 o'clock, Tony Gwynn Jr. 5 o'clock. Hold on. Yeah. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. What? I never usually do this, but I got such a great question from the YouTube chat. Oh, let's hear it. Before we get into the Aztecs, it's from Nate Taylor. And Nate, I cannot believe that you asked this because I noticed the same thing the other day. Just put it on the screen on the stream if you want to watch on YouTube. It's about Tony. It says, how many different color wedding rings (laughs) does Tony have? (laughs) One for every hat. And it's funny that Nate says this because the other day I noticed that Tony had... A, an orange wedding ring on, but he also has a white one on today. So very good observation, Nate. That's wild that you guys are paying that close attention, first of all. Uh, I have probably about 
four or five different colors. And I, they don't match my hats. I just happen to have a black and white hat on that goes with the white ring. But it, that's not usually how to go. The orange one, the only reason why I have a different one is I, I had I was in my old school the other day, and I think it the orange one fell out of my pocket. I had put some lotion on my hands, and I kind of took my ring off mm. in order to put it on. And so I think it fell out, and so I didn't have time to look for it before I came to work, so I threw on a white one. But that's very uh, observant, Nate. Very observant. Very observant. Guess what, Nate? If you observe me on the chat, you will notice the following. That I don't have my wedding ring right now. And I have to tell you guys that I am in a major panic at the moment. Uh Uh-oh. I've been here before. Now, here's the first thing I can say. My wife is out at the golf today. So I don't think she's listening to the show. (laughs) Okay. However, somebody will probably pass this news along to her. If you're listening, don't. That's not fair. Well, I don't think I can stop them. (laughs) I took my wedding ring off Monday night to go referee, which I always do. Haven't we been in this before? Yes, but this time it fell out of my bag in my wife's car. And if you've ever seen, I was driving her car because of all the rain. And if you've ever seen my wife's car, it looks like most people's closets. There are 10,000 items in her car. Really? Every time I've been in her car, it's been very clean. Well, uh, you've caught it on a good day. But, uh, I, uh, I looked for my wedding ring Monday night for about a half an hour in the mess that is her car. And I have not found it yet, guys. Uh oh. And I'm telling you, I know it's in that car somewhere, but I better find it you soon. Know, you know, I have had the I have had the same exact gold wedding band for all thirty four years of marriage. And I don't think that's gonna go over too well if I don't end up finding it. You know it. what this means? Is that you're gonna end up having to clean that car. Is what it is what it means. And you might that's the only chance you have of finding this ring is you got to- I mean it could be underneath one of the seats. I mean you don't know where it could have ended up. <laughs> yeah, so. man. Uh, good luck with that. Good luck Thanks, with that. Guys. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks. Yeah, this might be the last you see of me. <laughs> the, the Aztecs uh got a victory over the Wyoming Cowboys last night. It didn't start uh with uh the way it ended. Let's just say that the, the Aztecs really dominate in the second half. Um after a slow start in the first half, which was a back-and-forth game, really, in the first half. But uh, Jaden Ledee had a great game, another 17 points for him. As Chris mentioned before we went to break, Lamont Butler was terrific. Darian Trammell was a was a spark plug off the bench. Uh, and they were able to win that game. Yeah, they did not cover, but they did get another victory in the Mountain West. They moved to 5-2 and two in league, 16-4 and four overall, Chris. I'm very happy about that, and I saw some people on Twitter say that it was a sloppy win. That was not a sloppy win, people. They only turned the ball Twice. over two times yeah. the entire game. I, I don't know that I've ever even heard of that yeah. for a college basketball game. 15 to and 2 both turnovers. Of their turnovers. Yeah, right. Their two turnovers came in about a 20-second span of the second half. They had no turnovers in the first half, and yet they were only winning by two points. What does that tell you? It tells you that Wyoming was shooting lights out, which they which were. they were. And the Aztecs couldn't hit the broadside of a barn, which was true. They missed 10 straight three-point shots at one point. But here's what I liked about 
what the Aztecs did in the second half. They finally decided, you know what, guys, we can't make a three-point shot tonight, so we're going to have to work a little harder and get some twos. And that's what they did, and that's what really turned the game around. They kind of, you know, made the adjustment on the fly, and I think that's what good teams do. And then the three-point shot started to come back to them later in the game. But, you know, I thought their ability to, you know, get it into Ladee and Labonte Butler able to penetrate and get, you know, into the little creases of the defense, create some easier baskets, that's what helped them pull away. And that and the fact, I mean, if you don't turn the ball over, I mean, that's incredible, only two turnovers for a whole game. They turned the Cowboys over 15 times. That laid to 19 points, 19-0 and points off a turnover. So even the turn, two turnovers they had, the the, right. the Cowboys didn't score on those. So they didn't actually hurt. No. And when you take 27 shots in the second half and you made 18 of them, it's going to be a right. it's going to be a tough road for for any team especially the way the Aztecs play defense, but another big win right. for them. You, you talked about the second half adjustments. That was one of the things Dutcher talked about after the game that there was no really raw raw speech or you know, having to to get these guys up, they knew what they had to do. They gave them a few um, adjustments to make, and they they executed to perfection. They'll play again uh, against Colorado State at Colorado State. Should be a, it's going to yeah. be a tough matchup for sure. Well, that'll be really tough. The one good thing the Aztecs have going for them in that game is that it's not till next Tuesday. Right, they get some time so off. So they get they're getting seven days off. They I I didn't know this, but going into the game last night. They had had less time off than their opponent in every game this season in the conference. So the way the schedule worked out, they were getting two days rest. Their opponents were getting three days rest or more or coming off of a bye. So this time the Aztecs get some rest. And normally when they get rest, they come back and play really well because they get a week's worth of coaching. And I I think that's a good thing. And you know, it's going to be real tough to win at Colorado State, but this is a this sets up to be a good time to do it. Yeah, that game will be on CBS Sports. It's a 7 p.m. Mountain Time start, so 6 p.m. here Pacific, Pacific Time. Excuse me. Um, but just another good game for, for the Aztecs. And, you know, many people, as you said, will, will say it was sloppy really because of the first half. And I think the expectation now that the Aztecs have built is that people think they're going to come in here and just, you know, especially at home, and beat on teams. And what we're learning in the Mountain West, whether you're home or whether you're away, these these games are, are not gonna they're not gonna go as scripted in most cases. Right. And one thing we know, Tony, uh, you know, as a competitor out there, every team that plays the Aztecs gives them their best, best shot, shot, without a doubt. Because the Aztecs were in the championship last year. I mean, everybody wants that to can't knock go, them off. That can't go. We can't. Can't like just push 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 that under the rug. Like the fact that right. this team was in a national championship last year means that everybody comes coming here or you know hosting the Aztecs are trying to knock off a team that they saw on TV as one of the last two teams standing last year. Yeah, it's a big deal, and yeah. it's one of the reasons why these teams. I mean, San Jose State played them great. UNLV played them tough. Wyoming's played. Hi, Chris Ella, Tony Glenn Jr., Matt Scraby. Gwen and Chris, back underway. 2.36 is the time. Brent Sebleski, one of the best from Bleacher Report to uh, break down the NFL playoffs coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, guys, we should welcome to San Diego today the uh, 
Some of the greatest golfers in the world getting underway at the uh, Torrey Pines Farmers Insurance Open. And uh, Scraby, you're you're kind of our golf expert here. Uh, according to my calculations, we've got 86 golfers under par okay. on day one of the tournament. Is that because of the wet conditions? Does that make it easier for them today? No, it makes it it makes it way harder. Other. Really, I would think yes. softer greens. Well, and... The greens are softer. That yeah, does that's what help I would them stop the ball. But when you're driving the ball, it doesn't roll as far. When you get in that rough. Oh yeah, it's heavy. Yeah, and it's I can it, see that. and with all the ray that we got earlier, it's probably really heavy. I wonder how many of those guys that are under par are on the north course because they put that in play the first two days. So you play the north and the south. Right. The first two I days. don't know. I I mean that I I didn't break that down, but I did see that 80, 80, 86 guys are under par. Patrick Cantlay is our leader right now out there at Torrey Pines. He's seven under par. And I don't know if he played the north or south course I'm today. Right uh, now, I will say oh, Scraby okay. probably check that out. I, I will say Scraby and I have been watching the the featured uh, group uh, that has Xander Shoffley yes. in it, and he brought something to my attention that I don't know that I've ever paid attention to, but now I I'm like obsessed with watching it. <laughs> Xander Shoffley takes forever to actually hit the ball. He he got up over the ball. Oh, at, really? At one point. <laughs> He got over it. He's like doing his little shimmy. Yeah. He took his top hand off or his right it's hand like off. It's like his routine. It, and then he put it back on and then he like just stood there. And I and I you know, we I remember we've had discussions about golfers complaining about other golfers being slow. After watching, I'm pretty sure these guys complain about him often. I don't know that they complain about him, but I do know that he's one of the slower players on tour. Uh, Jason Day, people used to hate playing with Jason Day. And that's just a comfort thing. That's just a part of his routine. Yeah, part of his routine is to take nine hours to hit one shot. <laughs> but the Bryson DeChambeau was also the guy. Remember when Brooks was like, Pointing at his oh, watch during right. the U.S. That's Open, right. I think it was, or one of those big tournaments, because he takes forever, too. But to answer your question, Chris, everybody except for one in the top seven, which is a lot of golfers, five under and up are on the north course. So that's like maybe 15, 20 golfers. Right. Yeah, the north course is always easier. Our guy Charlie Hoffman shot a two under today. Nice. So if you're out there, Charlie... Stay at him. He's only five shots off the lead oh, after wow. day one. Oh, wow, he did one. it on the south course, too. That's the harder oh, course. Oh, even better, course. Charlie. Even I better. I think it's a three-shot good to difference. hear, Charlie. Well, hey, two under on the south. He shoots. He goes low tomorrow on the north. Charlie could be a factor on the weekend. That would be Well, awesome. it's not really the weekend here because <laughs> yeah. it's Friday and the Saturday. Weekday. But uh, the weekday weekend. Good luck, Charlie Hoffman and all the guys and hope everybody's having fun out at uh, Torrey Pines and the Farmers Insurance Open. Uh, we're going to have Brent Sobleski, as I said, joining us here in just a couple of seconds to talk about the NFL playoffs. And we've got, as Tony mentioned, David versus Goliath in the NFC Championship game. Goliath versus Goliath in the AFC Championship game. So... We'll see how it goes on Sunday. I, you know, I'm I'm excited about it. Yeah. Uh, the divisional playoff rounds. I mean, three of the four games were just really outstanding, all the way to the fourth quarter. And uh, you know, we're getting great football. I mean, this is why we tune in every Sunday and watch the National Football League. And I'm Glennon Doyle, author of Untamed and host of the podcast We Can Do Hard Things. On We Can Do Hard Things, my wife Abby, my sister Amanda, and I talk honestly 
about the hard parts of life. Join us and guests like Michelle Obama, Tracy Ellis Ross, and Brene Brown as we have refreshingly honest conversations. New episodes are out every Tuesday and Thursday. So listen to and follow We Can Do Hard Things, an Odyssey podcast, available now for free on the Odyssey app and everywhere you get your podcasts. Joining us is Brent Sebleski from Bleacher Report. Brent, always great to have you on. How you doing today? This is a fantastic time of year for NFL fans. It very much is. Now, the weather, for someone in Ohio sitting in a man van while it's pouring down rain and my son's at a guitar lesson, that's a whole different thing altogether. Yeah, yeah. The weather wasn't hasn't been great. I mean, some of these games have certainly been affected by the weather, but, you know, this is what – it's interesting. You know, you play a whole NFL season and then – Playoff football is is different, and, and it's not just different because of the intensity. It's different because of the style of play, and you know the the great teams are the ones that can adapt in in January, aren't they, Brent? I agree, and you know I think when you go on a Super Bowl run, it's a culmination of factors, right? It's talent, it's depth, and where you are from an injury standpoint, it's good coaching, and you've got to sprinkle in a little bit of that lightning in the bottle, right? Catching. Catching a team at the right time or igniting at the right time as an offensive unit, and I'll use the Kansas City Chiefs as a perfect example. Right, what we see from them now offensively is different than what we saw at the beginning of the year. Yes, the talent overall is relatively the same, but when you have Isaiah Pacheco, who you can bring in and run downfield like he's the juggernaut and at 210 pounds with that physicality, that's that establishes a new identity, right? And it's not just him. It's now beyond Travis Kelsey. It's You now have Rasheed Rice, who up until this last game had led Kansas City in targets in the six previous games. You have Marquez Valdez-Scantling making big plays down the field. That's why you come away with a huge win in Buffalo, because you are getting play from players you didn't expect earlier in the year. You caught that lightning in a bottle, and now you're peaking at the correct time. And obviously, Brett, these playoff games are, are going to be and have been exceptional this far. Before we get into that, though, I want to ask you a little bit about this coaching carousel that we got going. Uh, Bill Belichick seems to be, at least he started out being the guy for the Falcons. Mm-hmm. Now it seems like it's slowed up a little bit. Uh, Harbaugh cancels a meeting with the Falcons. It's seemed to be reported that the Chargers have the How do you see... Those two franchises in particular, who do you see them end up with the head coach? Well, when it comes to the Chargers, I still believe that Jim Harbaugh is the favorite. If, I, if I'm correct, I'm, he's still in town as we're speaking. So um, that's a situation where he would feel most comfortable and should because it's the most – it has the most potential of all the openings based purely on the fact you have Justin Herbert as quarterback. Yeah. None of the other openings, you're walking into a job with a bona fide – franchise quarterback sorry carolina you picked wrong at number one overall (laughs) so when it came to that if he wants to leave a really cushy job arguably the best job in america right now in michigan then you do so for the chargers now atlanta is different and i think a lot of that has to do on multiple factors one um I, i the juxtaposition of the way this interview process and ongoing is fascinating to me right now your potential lead candidates right are bill belichick who if hired would be the oldest head coach in the nfl or bobby slowick who if hired would be the youngest head coach in the nfl oh, wow. and, and that's and that's really that's really the division that you're seeing within that hiring process they want to go through it they want to see 
which guys best fit for them. And that's absolutely what they should do. It shouldn't just be, well, it's Bill Belichick. Look at my resume. Okay, well, that resume has not been good lately. And by all reports, you want to bring with you Josh McDaniels, Matt oh. Patricia, oh. Joe Judge. Why would you want those guys necessarily? <laughs> Furthermore, we don't know um, yet whether Bill Belichick is – demanding any type of say in personnel matters, okay? So if you're Los Angeles, as an example, and Jim Harbaugh comes in and he wants to have a say in general manager, you can do that. If you're Atlanta, your general manager is already in place and has been for the last couple of years. So I think that's why you see a little more variation with Atlanta, with them trying to figure out what direction they ultimately want to take, whereas the charges, it seems a little more straightforward. Brent Sabluski is with us from Bleacher Report. We are uh, excited every time we get a chance to talk some football with him. Brent, the Detroit Lions, I, I mean, I don't think it's unfair to say they've been the most, uh, you know, most unsuccessful franchise, not just in football, but maybe in all the sports. I mean, when you don't win a playoff, you win one playoff game in 65 years. But now here they are sitting on the precipice of their first Super Bowl, uh, you know, and they got to beat the 49ers to get it. How did Dan Campbell, how did the Lions go from where they've always been to where they are now? Well, as again, sitting in Ohio, I'm sure there was Browns fans listening to the way you framed that. Like, wait a second, <laughs> wait a second. <laughs> then again, Detroit probably does have that argument. And I, I want to start a petition to get that game played in Detroit this weekend just because it would be such an amazing atmosphere. It's, it's truly special to watch and you try to detach yourself when you're analyzing these games and these teams, but it's hard not to root for them. It really is because of everything they endure, because that fan base. You see all these wonderful introspective stories before the games about these the 90-year-old Lions season ticket holder or the guy's dad who passed away and he wants to see the team win in his honor and so on and so forth. It's, just, it's wonderful, and it's those stories that make sports amazing. With that said – to you answer your question, it's just about building properly and putting in the infrastructure necessary to win long-term. And that's where Detroit really faltered. And whether we're going back to when they had Matthew Stafford, a number one overall pick, um, and how he was basically beat all up during his time, hit more than any other quarterback during that stretch he was with the organization, much like Andrew Luck had to endure with the Indianapolis Colts. That's how you ruin great players, great talents. You, you're not patient with certain coaches. Dave, David Caldwell did a great job with the Lions. But you know what? Nine and seven wasn't good enough, so you hired Matt Patricia. Come on, people. So now you go out and get the people that create the philosophies of who you want to be in an identity, and you stick to that, and you adhere to it, and you, and you now have a team that's built the way you imagined, and they're playing like it. That, I know it, it sounds vague, but it's the reality of the NFL that if you, as long as ever an organization's all pulling in the same direction, that's when you often find the most success. Chris Sableski joins us here in breaking down these championship weekend games. And let's stay in that Detroit-San Francisco game. After this past weekend, there has been a lot of conversation about Brock Purdy and where he falls. Listen, I think two things can be true, right? Brock Purdy is a is is an excellent young quarterback, and he seems to be getting better, you know, as he goes out there. But where do we put him in terms of the class, right? I think Mahomes is at the top of that class. Josh Allen, I would have to say, is still at the top of that class. Where does Brock Purdy fall in these young quarterbacks? Whether we're talking Mahomes 
or or Jackson or um, or or Josh Allen. I mean, and, and, and we're missing uh, my man from Cincinnati who was hurt all year, uh, Joe Burrow. Where does he fall in the list of these young quarterbacks? Well, first of all, thank you for pointing out that he is a young quarterback, right? Yeah. We're, we're, he's supposed to be Joe Montana at this point, and he's not even done with year two as a starter. And furthermore, not only he's not done with year two, he missed almost the entirety of the preseason and offseason because of uh, elbow surgery on his throwing arm. So there's obviously you're going to experience ups and downs with any young quarterback. I mean, we, we have become so spoiled with guys like Lamar Jackson and yeah. Patrick Mahomes and yeah. Josh Allen that we forget what it took to develop them to that point. They didn't step in the league and were automatically great. Mahomes didn't even start his rookie year. Uh, you, uh, Lamar didn't start to what the last two games of his rookie year, or four right. games. Josh Allen took three to four years before he finally put it all together. It takes time, and physically, he's not on that level, right? I, I find it fascinating if you look at the two matches matchups this coming weekend, based on the just on the quarterbacks. You have two trendsetters, guys that revolutionized the way we look at the quarterback position playing in AFC. That being Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. These guys, they are so special, it's not even funny to talk about anymore. Conversely, you look at the NFC, very different. I know Jared Goff was a number one overall pick, but what you don't say with Jared Goff is he is that same creative playmaker, the guy that extends plays, that works outside of structure. These guys are more of the old-school throwbacks. You want them to be able to navigate the pocket and work efficiently within your offense. And if you're looking at that type of quarterback, Brock Purdy falls, that's the type of quarterback I'm looking at. You can win at a high level in a good situation, and if you coach around him well, but at the same time, he's not going to give you that same level of play as a Josh Allen, a Patrick Mahomes, a Lamar Jackson, a Joe Burrow, and so on and so forth. So I, I put him in that next tier, not at the elite tier. There's only a handful of truly elite right. franchise quarterbacks in the NFL, and he's not one of them yet. Brent, I mean, Patrick Mahomes against uh, Lamar Jackson. I, you, I mean, they talk about jokingly that the NFL has script writers. Well, they couldn't have written a better one than this. I mean, Lamar Jackson's the MVP this season. Patrick Mahomes is the MVP every season. Uh, I, I don't know, other than Tom Brady, there doesn't seem to be a better playoff winning quarterback. You know, maybe Montana, but Mahomes is already joining that discussion how do you pick between the two of them on Sunday? I mean, what actually decides this game? Because I think we're looking at it as a quarterback battle, and in that regard, it's hard to see either team losing. Well, I'll disagree on one point. I'll disagree that this this is the optimal situation for the NFL because could you imagine if Buffalo and Detroit were playing in the Super Bowl against each other? How amazing would that be? Seriously. Everyone in the country would be looking just to see who finally did it. No doubt. <laughs> but beyond that, I don't know how you stop a Patrick Mahomes. And that's why even though uh, you know they're at a, a, a significant point differential along the betting lines coming into this game, they're a away team. You know, I don't. I'm not betting against it per se. I don't actually bet, but more my pick during the week against Patrick Mahomes, because of the things I mentioned earlier. Right? We can take what Baltimore's done all season, and their body of work is better than anyone else in the NFL. But what? How are they playing at this moment? Are they at peak efficiency? And I believe 
the Chiefs are getting better, and they're getting better every week, and they're getting better in areas where they were weak earlier in the year. I mentioned the wide receiver. I mentioned the running games, right, how those have expanded, how um, Mahomes has gained confidence in those players. But it's not just them. It's the defense, yeah. right? We don't give enough credit to Legarius Sneed and how good he is on the outside. He is a legitimate shutdown corner. You don't give credit to Chris Jones when he drives Deion Dawkins into Josh Allen's backside, which causes the errant throw that everyone blamed on Josh Allen, but it was really the pressure from the, the, the all-standout defensive end that made that happen. And so when you have those type of players with their experience, I love Lamar. I love that Ravens organization, how they operate. I, I just can't – it's almost like when Tom Brady or Brett Favre were in their absolute primes. You, you, you just can't pick against them. Brett, we got about 35 seconds to a minute on this last one. Detroit 49ers, you broke down really, I thought, perfectly the contrast between the two conferences. But can Detroit pull this off going into San Francisco or, excuse me, Santa Clara, Scravy, and uh, and getting this victory? (laughs) I believe they can. And to me, you guys, we've had these discussions long enough. You know I'm a trenches guy. And when it comes to what Detroit has, they have the best offensive line in football, mm. period. And if, long, if they can keep golf upright, he can pick apart even San Francisco's defense. I think they have the talent on the outside with Amon Ross, St. Brown. Uh, you have it, Laporta at tight end. You have Jameer Gibbs out of the backfield, the speed with Jamison Williams, and then the emergence of Josh Reynolds in the postseason. So I believe they have that talent. Now, maybe that's me. Speaking with my heart a little bit, because I, I mentioned earlier, it's hard to really root against them. <laughs> I just I just think that they may be the team of destiny this year, even as good as San Francisco is. Well, Brent, we'll see how it goes. It's going to be fun. We know that, and it always is this time of year. It's always great talking to you. Uh, appreciate uh, all of your insight and your passion, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again uh, You know, down the road. It's always great having you out here in San Diego. Thanks. I'll just give you a heads up. Shoot me a line next week. I'll be down in Alabama for the Senior Bowl. Okay. We'll do Okay. <laughs> Thank you we'll, for the tip. We will definitely do that. Brent Sebleski right there from Bleach Report, one of our absolute favorite guests here on Gwen and Chris, talking about the National Football League. Make you nervous, Scraby? No. I'm actually oh, okay. very calm about this game. I The more <laughs> I read about and, – and I'm not making fun of this or anything, but – Honestly, the more I read about the Lions and how they're they're so excited about this, is there any thought from you guys that they're they're going to be a little bit overwhelmed and not Ooh, say Detroit? the Lions? Yeah, no. I think they're too prepared to be overwhelmed. Okay, Everybody good answer. I think they could be. You think no, they I could can, be? I, I can see it. I can see a team getting into the into this situation. It's not the players' fault that the Lions. Haven't won anything in 65 years, but it still does follow this franchise around. And, I mean, the 49ers, this is, I mean, people aren't talking about this enough. This is their third year in a row in the championship game. If they blow it again, you know, what? what is going to be, you know, the story about the 49ers? What's going to be said about that team? And, and I believe that they have something to prove. I, just, I, I don't point. think people are talking enough about that part of it. I think whatever invincibility they had, they lost by the way they looked against Green Bay. So I think Detroit, watching that game, they feel pretty good about going into San Francisco. I will also say this. A lot of people, experts, are picking the Lions to win. And if you would like to make the number one seed the underdog, go for it, people. Here's the other thing that I said yesterday. 
Maybe been the day before. If Debo don't play, you guys are going home. He was practicing. He's going to play. Come on. Just making sure you know. We'll have our picks on Friday. We'll have uh, the Daily Gambit when we come back on Gwen and Chris. Yes, indeed. Daily Gambit. Coming your way. Tony Gwynn Jr., Chris Ello, Matt Scravey. Chris Ello out in Logan, Utah. Getting set for an Aztec showdown with Utah State. How's how's Utah State's team? 0-7, Tony. They've been outscored by an average of 25 per game. Yowzas. Yeah, and I talked to uh, the Aztecs coach, Stacey Terry Hudson, this morning, and she's like any other coach. She's scared to death that her team isn't going to be ready to play against a team that they easily should beat. And that is the life of a coach right there. The old letdown day. Yeah, that's the life of a coach. You're playing a a poor opponent, and you're worried that you're going to fall on your face. That's That's why coaches don't sleep. Right, right, right. <laughs> Hopefully the Aztecs can get a win. Now, uh, after Sunday's game, the, fo- the following day, Monday, we talked a little bit about this rule where you fumble the ball, it goes oh, out right. It goes yes. out of the end zone. Uh, I found that uh, Mike Greenberg and uh, Ryan Clark talked about this in, in such a way that I wanted to share because it was quite hilarious in describing – why it shouldn't be uh, addressed by this um, this rules committee. Well, it's the same it's proportionate it's to the, the same, play. It's the same way on Sundays. People could be walking up to church, cussing each other out. But when they walk through that, tre- yes, that threshold, yes, Father. Father God, I love you. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. In the name <laughs> of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You know why? Because it's sacred ground, Greeny. The goal line and the end zone is sacred ground. You could cuss for 99 and a half yards. But when you walk through that threshold and you see Mother Mary, you're going to make the sign of the cross and say, Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners. <laughs> All right, yes, which I do every Sunday. <laughs> there it is right there. That is why you don't need to address the rule because the end zone yeah. is sacred ground. I said the same thing on Monday. Yeah, but you didn't say it I that said way. it's higher stakes, you, and that's why they shouldn't change you, the rule. You did say it that way. I said the end zone is sacred ground. I said you can cuss for 99 and a half yards. <laughs> <laughs> I said all this, Tony. You didn't. You wow. didn't say it that way. <laughs> but no, I didn't. Why now, didn't we get Ryan Clark as our producer? Now, now I, I am, know that. Now I am convinced that the rule doesn't need to be changed now because and of you know that what? one 40 more... second clip yeah yeah exactly. well i i was i never thought it should be changed in the first place i mean i think if you fumble out of the end zone it's a i mean it's a huge penalty but it is a penalty nonetheless and and it costs you not only possession of the ball but you know the other team gets to move it out to the 20 yard line but having said that i'm also as convinced as i've ever been that the nfl is going to make some stupid oh they're going to change it to give the ball back to the offense where the ball was fumbled because the NFL doesn't like to lose scoring plays. Yeah, you said this on Monday. You know, yeah. I mean, this is what happened to the Chiefs in the game on, you know, Sunday night against Buffalo. If it's under this rule, then the fumble by Hardman was a touchback, which I I agree with. But under what I think they're going to make the new rule, they would have just given the ball – to the Chiefs at the one-yard line, and they would have punched it in for a touchdown. And that's more points on the board, and that's what they want. And I, I just don't think it could be any more unfair. Yeah. I, I, I hope 
I hope it doesn't. I hope they come up with something different than just hand the ball back. But, um, yeah, no, I kind of agree now. I think that it it should be penalized heavy. You're about to cross the uh, sacred ground there, and you need to. (laughs) You can't do it cleanly. You got to give the ball up. Sorry, buddy. Yeah, I agree. Thanks, Ryan Clark, for... Actually, no, I'm mad at Ryan Clark. (laughs) He took your shot. No, you're not. No, I am mad at Ryan Clark because of how he backtracked on what he's been saying all year about Brock Purdy. Oh, stop it. Here we go. Uh, By the way, you mentioned it earlier, and I wanted to get... I I was a little uh, haphazard in my previous comments, but I think the Dolphins firing uh, Fangio today... Vic Fangio? Mistake. I, I don't think it's a mistake. I think it's a chicken bleep move. Ooh. I mean, I really do. I mean, your team, anybody who watched the Dolphins, which, and nobody watched them closer than I did, knows that the reason that they failed in December and into the playoffs is because their offense ground to a halt. And that plus the fact they had six starters out on defense. And now to go ahead and try to blame it on the defensive coordinator – who was doing a sensational job the first eleven weeks of the season when they were nine and two or eight and three? I, I you know, unless there's some sort of con, you know problem between he and Mike McDaniel, I, I don't think they're addressing the right thing here. Yeah, I mean, this to me just boils down to the fact that your head coach is also actually your offensive coordinator. That's right, and you certainly right. aren't going to fire him at this point. So. As yeah. typical for these teams, you know, somebody's got to be the scapegoat when there's a level of disappointment felt. And it seems like, for whatever reason, Vic Fangio was that scapegoat because how quickly, and you can always tell when it's not the greatest move, when teams immediately hop on the, you're on the top of their list to replace whatever defensive coordinator they had. And oh, so, yeah, Philadelphia can't wait they, to bring this they guy could, in. This is like the best thing news they've gotten since they've had to fire everybody, it seems like. Yeah, no, Vic Fangio is a brilliant defensive mind. He didn't forget how to do it in the month of December. He no. just lost the pieces to be able to do it with. Yeah. So He also thought I, he was going like to have an offense that was putting up a gang of points that exactly. disappeared. Too, so. Look, he held Kansas City to two touchdowns. If you would have said that going into the game, you would have said, you know what, they're going to have a decent chance to win. And guess what? They didn't have even close to a chance to win. No, they did All right, let's get to today's Daily Gambit. Do you like money? I think about money a lot. Do you like money without doing anything? Uh, duh, winning. Do you want to make money while watching sports? I think Washington is immortal luck. Washington! Woohoo! If you answered yes, this is your segment. Just don't blame us when you lose. Nothing is ever your fault. It's your game. Take it. Gwen and Chris go through the top bets of the day in The Daily Gambit on 97.3 The Fan. Daily Gambit's our daily sports betting segment here on Gwen and Chris. Please, everybody, gamble responsibly. Uh, Tony came up with some bets yesterday, so we'll review those real quick and then see what else is out there in the betting world. Uh, first, it was the Aztecs, 17.5-point favorites over the Wyoming Cowboys. Now, Tony said the Aztecs win, but Wyoming covers. He wanted me to write it exactly like that. So the 81-65 win for the Aztecs was just not enough points. They needed one more basket to go to 18. But uh, So I lose that one. I chose the Aztecs. The- By the way, the Aztecs had the ball with 25 seconds to go. 
and ran out the clock Classic rather team. than attempt another basket. That is a hang with them for all you betters out there. Classy ting and a hang of with them for the Of course, you're not going to try betters. to score there. But what if Wyoming fouls or something? Yeah. I mean, it was. it's amazing how close they get to the spread in Vegas is, is really the whole point of this. It really is amazing. Yeah, it was right down to the wire. Uh, next bet, Clippers and Lakers. Total score over under 234.5 points. Tony went under. I said over. I was correct. 243 points. I believe the Clippers won that by double digits. It was actually a good game. Oh. Considering the Lakers didn't have LeBron James out there. LeBron, LeBron James. James. I saw Kawhi Leonard had a 7-for-7 seven seven first half. Yeah, uh, he didn't miss. Which was, he just did not miss. And, I mean, they, I also saw Tony. The Clippers are now 20-4 and four since the beginning of December. Yeah. And uh, the Western Conference, I mean, you've got Oak City, Minnesota, and Denver are all tied for number one, but the Clippers are a game back, and they might be the best team of all of them right now. I think the Clippers are the best so, team in the West right now, and I hate to say that. The Lakers are, are an yeah. eight seed right now, and they've fared well against the top two seeds this season, including the, the Clippers. That was the first win the Clippers got against the Lakers. were 2-0 and going into that game against Clippers, but is it, they're still playing some good basketball. I, you know what I found to be kind of disheartening is the Clippers were were seeking out Austin Reeves in matchups him and D'Angelo Russell they were either they were ah. picking and roll trying to create that matchup and when they got it those poor dudes I mean Kawhi is so much so big he was just he was just backing down uh, Austin Reeves it wasn't I thought Austin Reeves was a good defender he is a good defender but he, they is that you gotta remember who, who the Clippers have on their team they got Paul George they got Russell, Russell Westbrook, they got James Harden, they got like four Hall of Famers that I you know. No matter how good, no matter how good of a defender you are, they're gonna find a way to get by you. C twenty on the. By chat. the way, when they put one more thing on that game, when you put Russell Westbrook in the Hall of Fame and you put his video clip together, they got to put together the clip of With last no night when his shoe <laughs> fell off, and then he ran over and went around a screen and then stopped and thought about it and then just said, yeah, I'll pull up for a three-pointer with one shoe on, and he made it. <laughs> he did. Uh, Unbelievable. On the chat, C20 said, Lakers gave up 77 in the first half. It's unacceptable. I agree. I agree. You're man. preaching to the choir, yeah. C20. All right. Uh, next bet and last bet was Houston at BYU. Houston, two-and-a-half-point favorites in this one. Who won this game? Houston did by, like, seven. I didn't write oh. down the score, but uh, we both lost the bet. It was tied with a minute to play, and uh, BYU missed two wide-open threes. Houston made free throws, ended up winning by a, a nice margin. But uh, I know I was, picked uh, – yeah, was, I know I picked BYU. very close. I know I picked BYU, well, yeah, but I, I don't really – You did, huh? It was 75-68. I, I don't – I'm not upset that they, that they actually lost this game. I, you can I'm, never, I'm never upset when BYU loses, <laughs> but um, they had a good chance to win. They missed two wide-open threes in the last minute, and that cost them the game. All right, that's it for the bets. So, Tony, you got any? Chris, you got any? I don't think we do. It's kind of a slow I betting don't, I don't – yeah, the one thing that I'm finding interesting, I, I, I watch ESPN in the bottom line, and, and it seems like yesterday the spread for the AFC Championship game was Baltimore by four. Hmm. And I thought, that's that's a little much, because it, it started at three and a half. Yeah. And then it went to four, so that tells me that everybody was betting on Baltimore. Well, today it went back to three and a half, which tells me everybody's betting on Kansas City. You're probably going to and have this just going think, back and forth throughout the week. It may just go back and forth all, all week. I I agree with Brent Sobleski. 
You know, I don't know how you can actually put your hard-earned cash down against Patrick Mahomes. You might win. I mean, who knows what's going to happen in the game. There might be a fumbled punt or a kick return. But you're going to tell me that there's people out there going to hard-earned money and you're going to bet against this guy? I think it's When just, he's getting points, he's also getting four points. Yeah, this is just one of those games that you don't bet. That's well, just stupid. You, when you got these type of players, specifically Patrick Mahomes, who seems to rise to the occasion in these moments, this is just a game you, you watch. You don't bet on this one. Well, bet on guys, the Niner Detroit game. Have you guys heard of the Super Bowl conspiracy theory that the colors reflect what I'm, I'm teams sure are you, playing in I'm it? I'm sure you have heard of it. Yes, a lot of people have been talking about it lately. Because it's supposed to be the colors are red and purple, and so it's Ravens 49ers. And so uh, if you follow that, then you should just bet on the Ravens. It'll be fine. Yeah, that sounds Wait, like what is good... the red and the purple? Why is that the color? Oh, because uh, Super Bowl, people are whatever. putting together that the Super Bowl logo has the red and the purple in it, and so they're saying it's Ravens 49ers because that's their colors. But no. they well, went it's back. In the script. And, and what happens back. in the years when they what went... happens in the years when the Eagles play somebody and they're green? Uh, last year, I believe, about? was this green. This is the dumbest thing no. I've ever heard of. <laughs> no, because they went no, this back. Is the, this, is pre- even, this is even dumb for you. <laughs> for the stuff you believe in, this is... Oh, <laughs> too bad. Too bad that you cut out. I think someone's calling him again. I think you need to go, Chris, don't you? Okay. <laughs> I that think is, he needs to go. That is too funny. You got that right when you needed it. Yeah, I don't know. He was about to agree with me somehow. No, I don't think he was about to agree with you at all. All right, Daily Gambit. I lost the connection for a second. Sorry. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. It's too bad. Scraby I'm sorry. was so happy you went out when you did. You were just about to agree with me. I was? <laughs> oh, I, didn't that way. I didn't feel that way. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's get to break. More Gwen and Chris when we return. Here's some traffic. From the 97.3 The Fan Traffic Center, here's Kelly Davick. Tony Gwynn Jr., Matt Scraby, Chris Ello. Off to the arena as the Aztecs get ready to take on Utah State. Watch us on YouTube, X, or Facebook. We're streaming the show live right now. If you want to chat with us, you can you can at YouTube by searching 97.3. The fan. One of your the most popular questions on the YouTube chat because I I try to read most of the stuff. Yeah, your hats, your hat game is something that everybody's always asking about. You have these hats with like a twenty four seven on it that uh, you have different colors, and everybody asks where you got it from. Shout out to Westside. Uh, that is the name of the company that uh, does these hats. Locally based here. What does the twenty four seven mean? I mean, obvious. Just the obvious. <laughs> I mean, Just the obvious. Yeah. Like you're always going. There you go. Twenty four seven. All right. I thought there was maybe. As soon as I asked it, I was like, "This is probably." I a mean, dumb question. It, listen. I don't. I, I'm assuming that's what it means. I don't know that there's a, a deeper meaning for uh, it. I'm always looking for a deeper meaning. I when know. There is none. I know you're a conspiracy guy, so. <laughs> It's right up your alley. By the way, the last three Super Bowls were predicted by the colors on the, uh, the Yes, logo. Chris never let you get to that point, did he? No, because Chris, remember, <laughs> remember, I almost just stuttered because it brought me back to this place. But remember He's, when uh, he told me, or when I said he was closed-minded, and he said he wasn't, but he wasn't going to listen to anything I had to say? <laughs> yes, I do. So I knew he wasn't going to care. It, it, it didn't help that he's probably, he's probably about a couple seconds delayed, so... 
he happened to he was probably hearing what you were saying as he was already talking most of the time. Well, on the app, he <laughs> he gets a call and it cuts out the the broadcasting and it app. delays him. And so then he like freaks out and he's like, "Oh my gosh, I don't know what to do." Yeah. <laughs> it's re- and then you can hear him like fumbling with the phone <laughs> in the background. It's great. It's great. It's great. Um, this Buck story. You know, they fired their, their head coach after only eight months of being the head coach. I've heard a lot more about there, it. There's more that's starting to kind of circulate. Scrape and I will get into that a little bit later in the show. But, you know, it did seem weird that they were firing a 30-13 and 13 head coach yeah. second in the Eastern Conference. We're starting to, there's starting to be more that is dripping out. as yeah. we go. It, Which is, by the way, is typical of organizations, right? They, they They'll make a move. And in order to, I don't want to say save face, but in order to make it seem like there's some, and, and in some cases, it's not to make it seem, in some cases there are, but in some cases they drum up things and they will let things leak out that yeah. may have been a reason why, but also may not have been a reason why you ended up making the final decision. There's there's a guy on After Our Show, and his name is Bart Winkler. He's on CBS Sports. He's very good, but he's located in Milwaukee, so this was, and he's like a Bucks guy, so yeah. this was a huge story for him. And he was really disappointed in the Bucks because they gave this guy a shot. He's interviewed multiple times for jobs and it, they just took it right away from him. He's probably not going to get a head coaching job here in the near future. And so he was a little upset that they didn't allow him to go the full year, which was kind of my take. Cause we always say all the time, you need a little bit of time to prove what you are and a year would do it. And if you're really that bad, then you can fire him. But that was what a Milwaukee was saying. Yeah. Well, ESPN is has some um, a story out and it's it's titled Inside the Tension and Struggles that led to Adrian Griffin's firing in Milwaukee. I haven't been able to dive into it completely. Well Scraping I will do it before the end of the show. Uh the Mariners, according to Jim Bowden, continue to listen to trade proposals for pitchers and their starting rotation since the return in this market would be inflated. Um we know that the cost of free agents are high. Apparently the trade market is pretty inflated, as as Jim Bowden's reporting, meaning teams trading valuable pitchers are likely to get a lot in return. Yeah. And the Mariners have a lot of young pitching that I'm sure teams are coveting. But it also means, I mean, this is a team that was in the playoffs. So does that mean that they're like, we're punting on that now? Are they rebuilding now all of a sudden? You certainly have Blake Snell in the mix there. That is a hometown team for him. Price is high, but if you start trading pitchers, uh, I'm sure there's a a price in there that you can get to. They're also uh, currently looking into a Jordan Montgomery reunion as well. So uh, Rangers still involved in that. Uh, I saw something. You put put something in our our rundown today from from my guy, my buddy Adam Jones, who – who is saying things that we've we've kind of heard for years, especially from the player side? But no one says it like him, though. No, he, he <laughs> AJ has a word, a wave with words. There's there's no doubt about. It. I read you his his tweeter. We actually had to go to the dictionary yeah. to make sure yeah. we weren't saying anything that we shouldn't be saying on air. But here's here's what uh, simply AJ Ten had to say. He said, "Whoever votes for the Hall of Fame should have to publicly post their ballots." You're screwing around with people's immorality because they didn't. Excuse me, immortality because they didn't give you a hug. <laughs> That's poppycock. 
And poppycock means like nonsense. Yes, yes, we we double checked and triple checked. We thought it was like something else, and but that's what it is. Yeah. I have a new word today, thanks to Adam Jones. Now there there was talk of of this happening. These the reporters having it public, but I think there was kind of a go back. They started thinking about because unfortunately in the world we live in now, your vote would also mean that comes full throttle with uh, death threats. And hatred. Death threats is that, as far as you can that's, go. <laughs> that's pretty much how we operate nowadays. If we don't like something that you put out on Twitter or we disagree with it, yeah. you get death threats. Well, look what happened when maybe it was Blake Snell who what we, we went and found out who didn't vote for him for Cy Young because that was the first thing. Like, oh, two guys didn't vote for Blake Snell. Right. He wasn't unanimous. Right. Immediately jump on the computer and I find out who those two guys were in like a snap of the fingers. Right. And, and then I'm sure Padres fans went to their Yeah, accounts. I'm sure. They probably got flooded with that. Uh, but nonetheless, that is a thought that has been circulating for a while. Um, and I'm sure what Adam is upset with is the fact that he didn't have Gary Sheffield in. He didn't get Bobby Wagner in, although Billy, Billy Wagner. Then, although he is on the cut, on like the the edge there. I think he needs one point eight percent or something 1. along 2%. those lines. So, but I, I do agree with Adam Jones. I do too. But uh, in a normal world, I would agree for sure. But is 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 his bad vote worth the things that come with that being publicly acknowledged? Right, because the we answer know, is no. We know what what happens after it becomes public. The, yeah, the answer is no. But I do think when you're messing with guys' immortality like they are, then you should have you should have to stand for it. I mean, you made the choice to vote for someone else. Why didn't you vote for yeah, Gary but, Sheffield? But standing for it, you know, 15 years ago meant people would just be like, "Man, your vote sucked. You should have your vote changed. You should have your vote taken away from you." Standing on what you what you say now in twenty twenty four means a whole different thing. Uh, it's just a it's just a mess. It is a mess. So I can I what I'll say is I understand why there was a reverse of of thought on actually actually you know publicly putting that out there. It just it just bothers me. Some, that... By the way, a lot of guys, a lot of writers do publicly put their vote out there. Yes, they they do. want it to be transparent. Yeah, that's good, and you have the choice to do that, but. Uh, it just bothers me that it's it's writers. I feel like it should be some people who played the game. I Tony's smiling like this is already something that's been said. It, it, it definitely has. It definitely has been said. Has been thought of. Um, I will say this: all players aren't good judges of of those type of things. Hmm. You know, with with athletes, usually comes. Some ego. I guess you're right. Which usually comes. I mean, you, you oh, hope. wait. Well, let's talk about the baseball writer's ego. Because ego did, too. I didn't say they didn't have one. But the, the players have an ego of like, I know I'm better than that guy. I'm yeah. not going to vote for him. <laughs> Tell me that would happen. That would happen. That would 100% happen. Everybody's voting for themselves. The guy who's like on the cusp is hating on the guy who's just over the cusp of the line. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just how, that's how it, it, it would just be a slippery slope. Yeah. There's I don't no know. I don't way. know what the answer is. Uh, to that, I think for the most part, the writers do a pretty good job, a really good job. Alfredo on the chat says, uh, Tony, give him and his clippers some props. <laughs> I knew that was going to be the response. Tony gave the clippers I already gave props. him some props. Yeah. He did. In the Daily Gambit, he gave him props. He said they were very good and they deserve to win. Yeah, so. they did. A good team. Let's get to break before I have to talk any more clippers. 
on the other side. When we come back, Scraby and I will continue to take you through the show. It's his favorite time of the show, actually. Mm. Sit back, relax. Another fantabulous game show when we return. 337 on the clock. Tony Gwynn Jr., the one and only Matt Scraby. You've heard him. That's right. Scraby's Chronicles from 6 to 7. After Gwen and Chris. Man, everybody's making me go scoop up those those Twitter handles of Scraby Experience and Scraby Chronicles just in case. <laughs> <laughs> because you know what? I got Scraby.com one time and I let it lapse because I didn't have the automatic payment. It was like five bucks to renew it. And these companies go and snatch them up and I can't get it back. I can't get so the company's just gonna try to, to sell it to me forever. To, exactly. You're gonna have to pay to get them back. I ain't boys paying back. for that. I can see you not paying. Just for the principle of it. Like, I'm not going to do it. Well, they stole my web address. No one should be using Scraby.com. You guys, I can't wait for you. I can't wait for we us to get to the big five. I, I saw one of the questions in the rundown. It's it's so you, Scraby. It's so you. I don't know which one you're talking about. Yeah, I'm talking about. about the Tyreek Hill question. Oh, well... Yeah, you, you don't, don't say that. Just let it come because well, these these folks will all shake their head when they hear it. I can guarantee you that. Well, Tyree kills doing some things these days. Doing some things. Anyway, uh, Doc Rivers. We didn't talk about this yet. He is uh, he's the new head coach for the uh, Milwaukee Bucks. By the time we got off the air, it became official yesterday last night. Um, it was rumored that he was at the top of the list when we discussed it. He is the man for the Milwaukee Bucks moving forward. Now, he's had his fair share of playoff disappointments as well. And if you recall, that is why they fired Boonholz. Yeah, and uh, if we get a chance at some point, I'll tell you the Bart Winkler conspiracy theory. who's the guy who's on after us, but we don't have time now. Did you hear about this whole thing with CNN Sports last night? This was crazy. I know they broke the news, right? No one knows who CNN Sports is. Like TNT, the NBA on TNT said breaking. Bucks are hiring Doc Rivers as head coach per CNN Sports. Then the Bucks said, no, we're not. And there's no such thing as CNN Sports anybody can find. The funny thing, I can't remember who my man is who was hosting TNT last night. Oh, now CNN Sports is all over the place. But yeah. they were talking about it on the Winkler show last night that there was no news of this at all. I'm trying to remember my man's name on TNT last night who was who was hosting it, but... He dropped that it was via CNN, and they all, like, the, the whole ca- cast on it was Shaq, Candace Parker, and Jamal Crawford. And they all looked at each other, like, with that same look, like, CNN Sports, what, yeah, what, is, what that? is that? <laughs> <laughs> and it just got quiet for a second, but it turns out to be true. Uh, Milwaukee Bucks now paying three head coaches. Who uh, knows it? Great. Adrian Griffin, and now Doc Rivers. Hopefully it gets them to the promise. Talk about, sorry, talk about a... Um... Lazy hire, sorry. That's a lazy hire, huh? I mean, I I still think he's coached so many times. Like, what else does he have that Shaq, he hasn't Shaq, done already? Shaq said something that I think a lot of people were thinking last when they found out Doc Rui's all. He sure has been uh, living through that one championship for, for quite some time. Oh, so Shaq taking a couple so, shots so We'll there. see what happens. All right, our fantabulous game show is next. Should be fun. First, there's some traffic. Hey, all you beautiful people out there. It's time to play one of our favorite games of the week. All right. We, we like, like to call, call it. it. Ooh. 
I'm going to go. Chris's Fantabulous Sports Game Show. And it starts right now on 97.3 The Fan. Game show. Get your pencils and pens and scorecards ready. Time for Tony Gwynn Jr. to face off against Matt Scravey. The champ is here. Tony Gwynn Jr. has been winning consistently throughout 2024. Today, Matt Scraby will try to turn the tables. Are you gentlemen ready to roll? I am. What are you going to do? Something like uh, 12th century poets and Tony's going to know them all? (laughs) (laughs) You're in good shape if we go 12th century poets. No, you're like, uh, Chaucer, (laughs) yes! Yeah, I don't even think Shakespeare was in the 12th century, so I think that would be tough. All right, here we go. We're actually going to... We're going to talk about great quarterbacks today, guys. There are 14 correct answers to this category. You are going to name the 14 NFL quarterbacks who have thrown for 25 or more touchdown passes in the postseason. Oh, wow. 25 or more touchdowns. 25 or more. Yeah, 25 or more touchdown passes in postseason play. Uh Guarantee you've heard of all these guys. None of the old-timers or old, old-timers ever uh, threw 25 touchdown passes in the postseason. So it should be a good, hotly contested affair today. Uh, if you get to eight, you win. If you get to three strikes, you lose. And Scraby, you get to decide whether you want to go first or not today. This is all-time, right? Playoff. All-time, okay. yes. All-time playoffs Twenty-five or more touchdown That's passes. That's a lot of touchdowns. That is for the playoffs for sure. Yeah, there's only um, only fourteen guys have done it. I'm gonna go. Scrape, what do you want to do? I'm gonna go first, and I'm just gonna get the All biggest right. one out of the way. Tom Brady. Tom Brady. It is unbelievable in looking up this category. Tom Brady has. Tom Brady. That's correct. He has eighty-eight touchdown oh, passes wow. in the postseason. <laughs> That's crazy. Second. It is crazy when you consider second place has forty-five. Whoa. He's almost got twice as many as every other quarterback in the history of the game. So it's going to be a while before his GOAT cha- uh, status is challenged. Tony, who's your first pick today? I'm going to go with the dude who's challenging him most, and that is Patrick Mahomes. boy. Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes is already up to 38, wow. guys, and that's uh, pretty quick. He's already number six on the all-time list. By the way, I'm like Phillips, and I'm going to protest because he said Patrick went homeboy. And no, not stop it. There's only one Mahomes No, after boy. that whole debacle last week where you didn't know the guy's actual name, but hey, we gave it to you. I know Mahomes. Oh, that was name. hilarious. Yeah, Tony goes Broadway Joe because he couldn't remember <laughs> Joe Namus' name. That's it. <laughs> All right, Mr. Scraby, we're tied at one in the early going with 12 correct answers remaining. Um... Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not nervous yet. Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning, he's fifth on the all-time list with 40. That is correct, Peyton Manning. So you guys have got numbers one, five, and six out of the way. Uh, there are 11 correct answers remaining. You can play along out there, see how many you can get. Right now, Tony Gwynn Jr. needs to get one. How about Joe Montana? Oh, Joe Montana, yeah. sorry. Joe Montana. Thank you. Oh, the actor Joe Montana. That's correct. <laughs> he is tied for second place on the all-time touchdown postseason list with 45 for Super Joe Cool. 
All right, so it's 2-2, and it is uh, Matt Scraven's turn. Troy Aikman. Troy Aikman. Uh, He's close. A little further down the list than yeah. you might expect, yeah, Scraby. I, I knew, I knew. It was a risk. Yeah. As a matter of fact, he's below the list. He's not on the list. That is an incorrect answer. I Troy Aikman swore. threw. You did? Yeah. Troy Aikman threw for 23 <laughs> postseason touchdown passes. Oh, he missed sure. by two. So yeah. my theory of so guys that's... who played in lots of playoff games apparently doesn't work. Well, it didn't work that time. That's for sure. And uh, you, you pick up your first strike in the early going. We are tied at two. And Tony Gwynn Jr., it is your turn. 25 or more postseason touchdown passes. How about Bradshaw? Mm-hmm. Terry Bradshaw. That's a guy who played in a lot of postseason games. They didn't throw that much back he's, then. He's got But it. he had enough. He did get 30 of them in his postseason career by leading the Steelers to four Super Bowl titles in the 1970s. That is correct, Tony. And you take a 3-2 lead. Scraby, this is uh, early in the game, but I think it's important that you, uh, that you get this anymore. one. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't care about this game anymore. I don't care anymore. <laughs> show, um, some, show some fortitude and bounce back. Every time I bounce back, Tony comes up with, like, the most random one of all. Um, I'm going to say. Terry Bradshaw was random? No, 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 no. All right. Who are you going with? Scraby's playing himself today. Ooh, 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 ooh. What about Donovan McNabb? Donovan McNabb. He played in a lot of playoff games. He lost a lot of championship games. He He lost a lot of three touchdown passes. No, he has more than that, but he only has 24. Which is not enough to qualify for this category. Just underneath. And that is your, that is your second strike, <laughs> Scraby. My goodness, you're not even making it a contest today, my friend. My oh my guy. god, you got to bounce. I swear, I, mean, god, these I, are, I swear to God, if Tony said Don McNabb somehow, it would add twenty five. Somehow, yeah, somehow okay. football reference would find there was an error and give him one more. Give him one more. Like yeah, I can't even tell you how much that just destroyed my soul. I was glad that you decided to go first. Destroyed because my soul. I certainly would have said uh, McNabb, but I'm glad you got there first. Thank you. Yeah, uh, scraby has got two strikes. You are really on the doorstep, Tony. Uh, you're ahead three to two. There's still nine correct answers out there. You guys are uh, not it's hitting not on as these easy good as I thought yet. it was going to be. How, how about uh, how about Drew Brees? Drew Brees way up there. Absolutely. He's got 37 of them. He is a, a postseason hero. Guy barely even another... plays in the postseason. Stop it. Barely played in the postseason. Donovan McNabb played in lots more games. I don't even know that's different. Type... I don't know that's correct, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm just speaking well, because I'm angry. Well, I hope you have some other material ready for this segment because if Scraby gets this wrong, oh. it is going to be an early end to the game. I It would be his third strike. You better get this one right, Scraby. I cannot forget the guy we forgot last week, John Elway. Ah, very nice. John Elway. Uh-oh. John Elway, I'm going to tell you, Scraby, is in the 20s. He's not as high as you might think. But he is high enough, <laughs> thankfully, to keep the game going. He had 27 career postseason touchdown oh, passes. Man. I hate this game. So that was a little was scarier that? of a guess than you might have thought. You. 
Elway. But it was correct. Uh, Elway, it is four to three, Tony. All right, you guys are missing number three, number four, hmm. and then on down to eight, nine, and ten, and the rest of them. You got eight or seven correct answers left, but number three and four are still on the board. Tony. How about Dan Fouts? Dan Fouts of the San Diego Chargers, the Super Chargers. Dan Fouts. I'm sorry, who? Didn't even make the 20s. Did not even make the 20s, Tony. So that is a swing and a big miss. Uh, Fouts' Fouts uh, (laughs) postseason career wasn't as good as we had hoped uh, as Charger fans. That's sad. Yeah. It was about four or five years worth of – Worth of production. Not enough to make this list and join the super... I mean, these are superstar quarterbacks you yeah. guys are not thinking of today yet. But uh, we're oh, halfway through I'm the good. list. Seven, I'm correct? Good. You're good. I'm There's good now. seven more. Scraby, you don't want to write a streak out here. You want to put the pressure on and... and Swing and, and miss. Swing and miss. Swing and miss. Pressure's, I don't know Pressure's this, mounting. I don't know if this dude... Pressure's mounting. I'm just going to say it because say it. I don't care. Just say it. Because I don't care if I, I lose. I know. You don't care. I'm actually going to be happy if I lose Absolutely. right now. Absolutely. Just so we can end this game early. Me okay? and you both. Brett Favre. Brett Favre. He's got to be on this list. He's, He's definitely got to be on playoffs this list. forever. He's got. Throwing tons of touchdowns. 24 and a half. He, He's got 44. Wow. And he's number four on the all-time list. That All is correct, right. Brett Favre. Is a correct answer. How many Super Bowls tied did it up he again. win? Two? He won, uh, I believe he won. One? One. And he right? played two? He they beat the, he beat uh, the Broncos. Patriots. Oh, Patri- was it Patriots? No, the Broncos beat, the- beat him. Oh, that was here. The Broncos here. beat him here in San Diego. Yeah, I think the only one he won was over New England when uh, Desmond Howard returned. The, oh, uh, yeah, that makes sense. That's such a random matchup. That was his only one. <laughs> All right, so four to four. But uh, Scraby has strikes. Tony yeah. only has one, and it is Tony's turn with six correct answers left. How about A. Rod, the other Packer? Oh, Aaron yeah, Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers won ahead of Brett Favre. He's got forty-five, so he's tied with Montana for second place. You know, I didn't expect him because he early exits bite him in the butt sometimes. Well, he's been there enough to throw forty-five <laughs> postseason touchdown passes. You guys have got the correct uh, answer there. That is a 5-4 lead for Tony. The top seven answers are off the board. You got 8, 9, 10, 13, and 14. You got five answers left. It's getting tight. And uh, Tony Gwynn Jr. needs one here to... No, it's me. No, it's, it's me. I'm sorry, Scraby. You need one to stay alive. Oh, my God. I, I know. I, 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 I what gonna... shall you go with, well, buddy? Well, I have another 49er in mind. I just don't know if he had that many. Just don't know. Because um, yeah. 25 apparently is a lot. It's a lot. Playoff games, man. You got to wait till the end of the year. Your team's got to make it. You got to actually throw some touchdowns, man. Oh! Oh! Kurt Warner. Wait a minute. Just a light just went on. Kurt Warner. You're going to go with Kurt Warner? He better be on that list because he's the greatest show on turf and he's played in multiple Super Bowls. Played in lots of. 31 for Kurt Warner. That is correct. Scraby. He's on there. Rescues himself from the depths. Very good, Scraby. Uh, Kurt Warner was right and you have tied it again at 5 5. There are only four correct answers remaining. These are all pretty big-time quarterbacks, but you got to guess one of the right big-time quarterbacks. Yeah. 
And it is your turn, Tony Gwynn Jr. How about Big Ben Roethlisberger? Some list. I wasn't sure, though. Oh, Big Ben Roethlisberger. 36 for wow, Big Ben. That's pretty yeah, good. he's got quite a few. He ranks just behind Drew Brees on the list. So Tony remains in control of this game. He's got a 6 5 lead. Scrape, you've done a good job on the doorstep. You've stayed alive here, but you got to do it one more time with three correct answers remaining. <gasps> Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco. They make ain't, the postseason no almost every single year ain't under no way. John Harbaugh. He's played in tons of postseason games. Ain't no You're way. Going with, are you, you sure you want to change your I don't even care. Remember, I'd hope the game ends. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good guess. Joe, Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco. Has, Joe Flacco has 26 touchdown passes. Scraby gets it. Beautifully done by you, Scraby. Joe Flacco. You got it, Scrape. Nicely done. We're we're almost done, guys. We got to speed up a little bit. All right, we're 6-6. We got two correct answers left. Only two. There's only two guys that will be correct. Tony, if you get this one, you you uh, clinch it. No worse a tie. How about? So who, do you, who are you going with? How about your guy, Dan Marino? How about my guy, Dan Marino? There's no way. He only went to one Super Bowl. There's no way he threw for that many. But he did. Yeah! He had, he had 32 career postseason touchdown passes back in the day for my Dolphins. God love Dan Marino. Care. Fine. Here, here's your Tony music, takes Tony. takes a 7-6 lead. Thank Tony, you. here's your music. Would you like Thank some you. more of it? Scraby, you don't need the music. You can you can force a tie. Oh, oh. I thought you said it. he clinched it. No, there's one left. You got there's it. one oh. left, and it's 7-6. to six. If you get this one, Scraby, you force me to end up in it. I take your music it's back. It's a tie. Yeah, take the music back. If you get this answer, it's the 14th ranked guy. He's the only guy with 25. But if you get him... Then you force a tie at 7-7. If not, you strike out, and Tony does win. All right, this is so my Scrabby, last. you got one answer for all the money. All the money. I got this one guy on my list. He made four Super Bowls in a row, Jim Kelly. Oh, Scraby. That uh, would be so awesome if you, you see, tied he it too, up he, on he the last too long one. Ago. <laughs> Russell Wilson had 25. Jim Kelly had 21. Russell Wilson would have been the correct answer. My Jim guy. Kelly comes up just a little short. And now Tony Cohen, Wayne cue that music, Jr. Son. does well, now win that I had a the second fantabulous life, now I'm angry sports that I game show. Because yeah, I was thinking Russell be. Wilson, but I'm like, honestly, the guy hasn't played that many playoff games. He he's has, played though, some. And he's lit it up each time. Now, oh. You guys, you, you guys you did still, awfully well. Are you still 0 for 2024? I don't. I really believe care. you. I is. think you are. I don't care. I know you doesn't I don't care. care. All right. Well, here's it, here's something that Scraby doesn't care about. Tony Gwynn Jr. remains the champion of the Fantabulous Sports Game Show today. Gwynn versus. Well fans. done, guys. He's gonna have to Got show off his trivia out of 14. knowledge. Sorry, Chris. Keep talking over you. That's okay. Trivia is next for you guys out there. Eight three three two eight eight zero nine seven three. This is breaking news from 97.3 The Fan. Indeed, there is some breaking news. Jim Harbaugh has accepted the head coaching job as, excuse me, for the Los Angeles Chargers. Oh, wow. 
it comes as a surprise to me. Really? Chris and I thought that they would somehow mess this up. <laughs> but right, they, they did still not. can. They, that's true. Can. They, well, we thought they would mess up the hiring process. Well, they've gotten through that part. How does now head coach? I don't believe they have a GM at this point. They don't. They just fired their GM. So this is still a, a, a work in progress. You hire a GM that maybe Jim doesn't like, then that's not going to happen. It's not going to go well. He's going to have. You got to think, think he's going to he, have say. You think that he has say? There's no way he takes this job not knowing he's going to work with. Yeah, I'm just true. sad that he's going to be uh, in the NFL. He's going to be another head coach. I thought he was just going to go down as the 49ers head coach only, but it didn't happen that way. Yeah. He said he didn't want to ever come back to the NFL. Well, that's how bad he hated San Francisco. When he was there. He was <laughs> I mean, he just took him to three straight NFC championships. And he hated every moment of it. He pushed him all the way back to college. <laughs> he pushed him, yes, to a great position in college. He found a better job in college. And I'm now not... he's leaving that job for a different NFL job. Well, one of my friends texted me who hates Jim Harbaugh and said he's just looking to get out to so he doesn't face sanctions. Maybe. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, anything's possible. Anything is possible! I, I think... Uh, this is a good... If we're being honest, this is a good hire for the Chargers. It is. Uh, I Now, can everybody get out of the way and let Jim coach and whoever the GM is be the GM? We'll see. I'll tell you. Jim will let you know if you're in his you way. You told us about that. Yes, he, he does him not and, uh, take was it, anything. Was it York? Jed York, yeah, yes. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't uh, see eye to eye. No, he would ask him to leave team meetings, and he would kind of... I can't. I, I just hope yeah. that uh, if that is true, I hope Jim has matured a little bit. Certainly isn't kicking out his boss. You know, the boss kind of gets the free land. He free free. Uh, he can go free access to to the place. Yeah, yeah. He, he he's someone unless that, unless of course you know York was in there like trying to call plays or something. No, York is definitely not doing that. To kick but they out, did but. butt heads because Jim Harbaugh does do it a certain way, and it rubs people the wrong way. That's why there was rumors when he left the 49ers that he was more suited to be a college coach because the player turnover is is faster. So he he like grinds these guys down, and they in college they leave, and so he gets a new kid to grind down. So they thought maybe that kind of cycle was for was what he wants or what he should want. Well, if you're the Chargers, you don't care what it looks like. You just want it to be different than it has been for your organization. So we'll see um, exactly how that goes. We've got a Gwen versus the fans here. 833-288-0973. We got some contestants, Greg? We do. We're ready. Let's get to it. If you had one shot, one opportunity to take down the human almanac himself, mm, mm, mm. now is your time. Listen to me, this guy is dangerous. Now is your opportunity to win a prize. Well, I hope you know what you're in for. Gwyn versus the fans starts now on 97.3 The Fan. All right, second day in a row that Tony is taking over for Mr. L.O., and I will read some rules real quick. You have to make it through three questions. Each question will get more difficult. If you get the question right, you move on. If you get it wrong and Tony gets it right, you're eliminated. But if Tony gets it wrong, you move on to the next question, or you win if you're a first-time player. Sorry. I, was <laughs> I knew I, I, I was going to spring that on you. Uh, just let us know before the first question. You will get that free Today, now I have to read the prize, which will be. You want me to read it for you, man? That's okay. I got it. you. You, got you, it? you eat your candy or whatever. I don't have any. Can- I, I don't actually know don't have any candy oh, today. You're just hitting a piece of paper. I'm just I'm being just, a hater. Yeah, I'm just folding paper right now. 
If you win this, you will be qualified for our grand prize, two tickets to Tom Kiefer and L.A. Guns on April 11th and a two-night stay at Westgate Las Vegas Resort and Casino. Get ready for an electrifying night of rock and roll as two iconic bands, Tom Kiefer and L.A. Guns, come together to perform live on April 11th, 2024 at the Westgate National Theater at Westgate Las Vegas Resort and Casino. I feel like... That sentence was in there twice, but okay. Get tickets now at Ticketmaster.com. The Westgate Las Vegas Resort and Casino features newly designed premier rooms, part of their $70 million room renovations, home of legendary Vegas fun. Just for your own conscience, it wasn't this. You didn't read the same sentence over. It was just Westgate International ah. and then Westgate, Ticket, uh, Westgate Theater. You know, just just be Ron Burgundy, Scraby, and just read it and move on. Don't question things. That could get you into trouble, too. Just just ask me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Let's get to our first contestant today. Let's go to Daniel and Ramona. What's What's up, up, Daniel? Daniel. Daniel, Are you there? Daniel. Oh, he's there. There There he is. What's up, Daniel? Okay. You ready? Yep. All right. Sounds good. Here we go. You had one button. shot. Buddy. I know, one I know. Button. I'm not going to even make an excuse. I will take it. I'll take response. User error. Did you say first time player? Yeah, first time player. First, first time, time player! player! All right, here we go. Question number two. Farmers Insurance Open started today out at Torrey Pines. What golfer won the Farmers Insurance Open last year? Oh, my Lord. Shoffley? Shoffley. Is <laughs> Hang on. Hang on. I'm not, I mean, Tony may pull this out. I'm, just, I'm really not sure. It's my guy, Scotty Scheffler. <laughs> Your guy, Scotty Scheffler, <laughs> did not win last year. It was Max Homa. Ah, uh, yeah, I remember that. Max Homa. He's a, he's a, he's a fun dude. He's a good follow on Twitter. Wasn't he likes that, to make fun wasn't of that like a? Wasn't there like something... Crazy that happened when he won it here. Did he hit like a long putt or something, or was that a different tournament? They all blend together, yeah, to be that, honest. Yeah. Okay, never mind. <laughs> all right, Daniel, here we go. Question number three. You get this right, Tony gets it wrong, and you're qualified for Las Vegas. What running back led the NFL in average rushing yards per game this season? <laughs> what running back led the NFL in average rushing yards per game this season? Sorry, say that again, Daniel. Uh, McCaffrey. Oh, McCaffrey. You know, it's not the right answer, but you are correct. No, I'm just kidding. I was about to say, <laughs> what? That is not right. Uh, stay right there. I feel like from Tony's body language, he knows this one, and I'm sorry if he does. I believe that was Kyron Williams. My trick, my trick play didn't yeah, work. That's my best Chris Ello impression right there. I'm sorry, Daniel. Thank you for playing. Good playing. Um, yes, Kyron Williams, even though he missed games, he had uh, the most average rushing yards per game in the NFL. I think it was by like maybe 90-something. I don't remember what it was, but I definitely remember seeing his name at the top. Yeah, I do remember him winning a fantasy football championship for me this year. So, let's do this guy. Two, 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 two. You got a whole other year of this. <laughs> <laughs> let's go to Neil. What's up, Neil? Neil. What is going on with the phones today? I feel like something's happening here. Let's go to Matt and Lakeside. Matt. Matt, what's going what's up, on? Guys? Uh, okay, How it's are not you? the phones. It's not the phones. 
Good. How you doing? We're Pretty doing good, well, brother. Ready to play? I'm ready. All right. Some more golf questions. If you get a awesome. birdie on a par four, what is your score for that hole? Uh, minus three. Oh, sorry. You, you get minus one for a birdie on a par. But on a par. You four, know what you're talking yeah. about. I'm gonna give it to you. <laughs> you I, know what you're talking about. You could have got a bunch of different ways there. Well, no. If you get a birdie a on three, a par right? four, what is your score? He said minus three, but that's not. It's three. It's just three. But we're not gonna. Chris gotcha. isn't here, so I'm going to be nice. Yeah. All right, here we go. Question number two. Good job. It's map power right now. Uh, <laughs> D'Amico Ryan's played for the Texans and what other team? Uh, Eagles. The Eagles is correct. Nice wow. Job. Nice job. I don't even remember him playing for I the Eagles. I remember him playing for the Eagles. I knew the Texans had no idea about the Eagles. Wow. Okay, Matt, you're on to question number three. You get this right. Tony gets it wrong. You're qualified for that trip to Las Vegas. Here we go. This one came to me during the break because I saw it on SportsCenter. If Jim Harbaugh can win a Super Bowl with the Chargers, now that he's the head coach reportedly, he will be the fourth coach to win a Super Bowl and a college national championship. Name the other three coaches. Jimmy Johnson. Okay. Uh, Barry Switzer. Okay. Um, Pete Carroll. Wow! Nice job. I can't. That is incredible. Matt, you need to stay on the line, bro, because that was that might be some of the best playing we've had in a while. Matt is definitely a lover of sports. Yes, he is. I gotta ask. Let's 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 ask Matt. How how did you know that so well? I guessed on the um, Barry Switzer. I knew he won a Super Bowl. Oklahoma. And then won. Pete Carroll came to me at the last second. Nice job. I wasn't job. sure, though, because of the Reggie Bush scandal. I don't know if you're going to give me that one. Oh, no, oh. you got it. You got it, brother. That was good. That yeah, was really good. I, I'm not going to take away his Heisman for ridiculous stuff or national championships. Or things that they're, that's legal now. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, Matt, very nice game. Uh, that would have been a nice game against anyone. So stay right there. I'm going to get your information in the break. Nice job. Uh, once again, Chargers have a new head coach, Jim Harbaugh. Last was in the NFL for, with the San Francisco 49ers. Got to, what would you say, three, two Super Bowls? No, we one to, Super Bowl. One Super Bowl against NFC his brother, the Harbaugh, in 2012. They lost to the Ravens. But he went to three NFC championships. The first one was against the Giants. Oh, he lost to the Seahawks, too, huh? Did he, he did. He did. Uh, that was the Crabtree. <laughs> Who's talking about you? Crabtree! <laughs> when Richard Sherman lost his mind. That was, uh, I think, you know, He's set up to have some success, at least from a roster standpoint. You already have your quarterback. You don't yeah. have to. Yeah. You don't have to. That's usually the biggest lift that you have as a head oh, coach yeah. is finding a franchise quarterback. In this case, he, he he's walking into a place with a franchise quarterback. You're likely going to have to get a new running back because Eckler's probably yep. out of there. Good point. I think Keenan Allen's getting up I there. I was just getting ready to say you probably have to start looking to upgrade. The wide receiver, and it's not that Keenan isn't still productive because he's still very yeah. highly productive, but you know that that cliff. You have to let me say this: you have to anticipate that the cliff is coming. Yeah, uh, Mike was Mike, Mike Williams, Williams has not been able to stay healthy. I can't no. recall one year yet. Quentin full, Johnson, full he's too young, and he's still got some. He's years still to learning. Grow. 
Defensive side, I think you're still pretty set. You still got Mac. You yeah. still got Bosa. You got James in the in the uh, bat, in, in the just, secondary. Yep. Secondary. Mm-hmm. You got you drafted the kid from USC that was really good for them last year in the line. So you you got he's got some pieces to work with. I think that's why he wants that job. Yeah, because he was also Adam Klug, our boss, was texting me after it all happened. He's kind of sad. Sorry, Adam. He Falcons. Wanted- have to wait there, buddy. Well, he wanted Jim Harbaugh for the Falcons head coach. I guess he was supposed to do an interview in Atlanta, a second it. interview, but he canceled because obviously he was doing the final preparations with the Chargers. But uh, Adam is now saying he wants Ben Johnson or he wants um, who, Mike Vrabel. As we heard from Brett Sobleski, it sounds like there's a split camp in, in Atlanta. There's a camp for Belichick. And there's a camp for I don't think it's either of those two ca- candidates, according to Brent Sobleski. Who's the other camp? It was for? it was a the youngest. Uh, it would be, he said there would be a camp for the oldest coach if he takes over would be the oldest coach in the NFL, and a camp that if this guy takes over I can't remember what his name he said would be the youngest coach in the NFL. So I can tell I can yeah. t- I can tell you this I know whose camp. Sorry, I know whose camp is going to win this. Who's camp? Bill camp, Belichick? No, the camp that has Arthur Blank in it. Who, which is Bill Belichick, right? Which is, which is the owner, which is the Bill Belichick yeah, camp. I, yeah. My guess is he's going to win out if he presses hard enough. Now, he may come to the conclusion that, you know what? Let me take a step back. I don't know as much as these guys do, but in my experience, owners have a hard time doing that. Yeah, they do. They really do. Um, Matt on the chat makes a really good point about the Chargers that, you know, Tom Telesco's gone. They have to find a GM. Now they have a high coach. But Jim Harbaugh and the the Chargers are going to have to navigate a $53 million over the cap line right now. Yeah. That's quite heavy. (laughs) Maybe Tom Telesco's like, peace out, Chargers. It's a good thing they have the players already in tow because they certainly ain't going to be able to add too much. No, no. We'll we'll certainly see how uh, that one kind of unfolds no gm i always thought hiring a head coach or a manager or whatever in any sport before there is a gm it can cause some weird things to happen well there's it's they're tied to this person and so if you don't go into the quote-unquote marriage wanting to marry that person then it's going to be tough yeah no doubt all right uh let's get to break morgan and chris on the way here some traffic taking care of biz Aztecs taking on Utah State out in Logan, Utah. We often talk on this show, especially during baseball season, talk about pitchers and more specifically, Chris talks about pitchers not being able to go more than five. It's kind of uh, the new pitching. I remember when they pitched 22 (laughs) innings in a game. Ladies and gentlemen, our Chris Ello impersonator. Matthew Scraby. Uh no, and um and you know, some of these guys now are coming are, are now transitioning from being player to coach. Chris Archer, guy who had a lot of success in the league, but was probably uh curtailed by injuries. He wasn't able to really live to that full potential, but he, he clearly was a guy in this league for, for a few years. He's now on the other side. And uh he was on a podcast with uh, A.J. Przinsky, and apparently they had had a conversation about guys getting the five innings and, you know, the mentality. Brought this clip. Uh, it's about a minute-long clip. I want you guys to listen to it. We'll talk about it on the other end. Of, like, scripting the game, only letting pitchers go five innings. 
So if you change your tune now and you're more of an analytics guy where, oh, starters can only go five innings. This is what I'll say about that. If my guy, the guy that's on the mound does not want to go further than that, I don't really want him on the mound. So I want all my guys to have that mentality, even if we don't think that's the right move. May cause a little friction, but I'd rather my guy be out there and be a dog than be like, mm, I'm good with this. Of my shortness and starts was due to health. 2022 was a struggle. The first half I felt really, really good, but uh, the second half was was a big, big struggle. And I hadn't pitched hardly for the previous two seasons. You know, in the moment, yeah, of course, I want to get, I want to squeak as many outs as I possibly can, especially I had like four straight seasons where I averaged 200 innings. So like, I know how valuable that can be, but there's, there's limitations and it kind of showed up for, for both of us, Dylan Bundy and, and I, it kind of showed up that being removed a little earlier probably was the best for the team, even though we, we hated it. We wanted to be out there. And, you know, I know Bundy specifically got into it with some different people on the staff, but it was it was like healthy because it's like, all right, Bundy, I love the fact that you want the ball rather err on the side of delusional confidence than being super insecure. And and therein lies the problem, right? It's one thing to. As an organization, want a guy to or want to keep an eye on a guy and not let him go too far. Um, the numbers, the analytics will tell you for this specific guy that as he starts to get beyond that fifth inning, things can go a little left. But for the player, and I think this is the point Chris Archer was making, is that your mentality can't change, though. The, the, the coach and staff and the organization, they're going to do what they have to do, but you men- mentally have to have the mindset of, I'm going as long as possible. And I think that's hard when you're in the minor leagues and you're being trained in a way that, you know, you know you're coming out after five. Does he – is he kind of alluding to that pitchers want to come out after five now? He's No, I think what he's – you know, the question was posed to him by A.J. Pruszynski. Yeah. Clearly, they were teammates at one time. Yeah. And there was clearly a conversation about what he thought about five innings and guys pitching longer. And I think AJ was AJ Pro or AJ Przinsky was giving him, a, you know, give, you know, he was nudging, get, him, nudging a him a little bit. Like that was fun. you're with the Dodgers now. We know how they do things. Are you saying your 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 tune has changed? <laughs> and I think Archer was making the point that although he recognizes that it may be smarter uh, and give a set a guy up for more success, pulling him out early, the pitcher himself has to have the mindset. Of not, I'm going nine, and listen, the the the, I, the guy who comes to mind immediately was the young man George from, Kirby. From, from, That's from, who I was just from, thinking from of. the Mariners. Just thinking of him. Remember when they had that? He ended up apologizing for it. Yeah, but he was like, clearly I didn't want to be his, out there. Clearly, his mindset in that moment when the when when their skipper left him out there was. I shouldn't be out there. Do you think you're gonna get big league big league hitters out? No, doing with that mindset, not at all. And so you have to start wondering, is it harder for guys to have that mindset when it, all the way up through the system, you're kind of, you're not kind of, you're you're being, you know, limited. Yeah, I think that's a fair, I think that's a fair These are worry. humans we're talking about. Yeah, it's, you're condi- it, it, they're conditioning to do a certain thing, and then when you remove that, it 
puts you out of your element. Now, Archer, when he came up, he came up at a different time. They weren't selling the, you know, get out, five innings, whatever it is. We, we want to preserve you. We want to keep you healthy. By the way, there's been no evidence that health has been on the other end of these short outings. Guys continue to get hurt every single year. That would be interesting to like, see it an would actual be. study. It would be. I don't know if anybody's going to actually do that study. <laughs> That's a hard study to figure out. I mean, but it, it just brings up a, a, a very interesting a conversation that we have year in and year out with pitchers now. Well, we've talked about it before where pitchers now, maybe the starters may be getting tired or getting some guys on base, and so the manager stands on the top step. That changes their entire mindset sometimes when okay one more bad pitch manager's coming to get me yeah but that's always been the case though i mean you still have to earn your way into those deep innings like if you're not pitching well your the manager's gonna be at the top step he's gonna be getting that get picking up that phone calling down to that bullpen that's just that's always been the case but at least we've seen guys have great outings through five and then all of a sudden the sixth inning and they're already out yeah. and it may not have anything to do with the player but I just thought that was interesting. Chris Archer now on the other side of that, having to kind of negotiate that thought process. And it, it, I think he's settled on as long as you have the mentality that you're going longer. He admitted there's going to be some friction because there are certainly guys are like, you're 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 limiting me. I don't like it. And there's going to be pushback. And sometimes that pushback can be uncomfortable. But as a manager, as a coach, as an organization, you kind of have to do what you think is best um, in order to keep that player upright. I just want to see him go out there in nine innings every every start for everybody. Just keep going. Yeah, that would be um, reminiscent of the 80s and 90s. And Nolan Ryan was, like, pitching 15 <laughs> innings or something. <laughs> you know what I saw? I saw a, a quote uh, we don't really have time for right now, but it was basically about how inning stats don't matter anymore. Yeah, well, we got to get to break. Cause, yes. Uh, we have big five. Yeah, on the other end. Morgan and Chris Malloy. It's that time of the show when we check on the latest in sports. Only the most important topics and questions are brought to light. Stop what you're doing and listen. These news stories will astound and amaze you. The one, the only. Oh my God, who the hell cares? The Big Five starts now on 97.3 The Fan. Slow, slow news day. I still found some great Big Five topics. To really talk slow about. news day. Really slow news day. Uh, well, just let's make get... up some stuff, Scrape. Oh, I can easily do that. Number yeah. five. We're going to be talking about um, two NFL stories, and it's not really about anything that happened on the field. So that's the kind of Big Five we're getting today. But let's start with this one. Another one bites the dust, and I'm talking about free agents with a name in baseball. Reese Hoskins has signed with the Brewers, and now the Padres are still looking to bolster their roster, but I think this is the reason they didn't sign him. He got a contract for two years and $34 million. So even I can do the math. That's $17 million a year. Chris, do you think that's too much, too little, or about right for him? 
No, that's what it's costing, obviously. I mean, I, I, I was a little bit hurt by this one because I felt like if the Padres were going to make one, you know, one more splash before the season, this was going to be it. Maybe Reese Hoskins, I think he'd be a perfect fit for the Padres. You could, you know, put him in at first base, DH. It would give you the ability to trade Hassan Kim. I, I thought this was the last chance that we had for the Padres to let us know that they were going to be spending a little bit more money. And I think the fact that Reese Hoskins is off the board uh, just kind of tells us, I guess, what we already knew, is that the Padres are going to have to be a little more careful with their spending. And, you know, it's frustrating to a certain extent after all the money they spent last year, but I certainly understand it. Uh, You've had the passing of Peter Seidler. I mean, I I think that all of that just kind of goes together and you put it all together and the Padres are going to have a little different makeup this year, which is okay. But it just, I think this clinches the fact that they're not going to spend, you know, make a big splash anywhere. Uh, Tony, do you think for Reese Hoskins, it's too much, too little or about right? And how does that relate to the Padres? I think it's uh, about right. Um, Listen, I think we often just get caught up in the fact that the Padres have not moved at the pace that they moved in the previous years. And and I think it's important to keep in mind, we talked a little bit about this yesterday, Scrape. The Padres are trying to avoid the 50% tax for being over the threshold three years in a row. If they stay under this year, they reset the clock, then I wouldn't be surprised if they spend again. And, you know, will they spend at the level they were spending? I, I don't know that, but... Um, I don't necessarily think this is about the Padres tightening their belt. I think it's more of a strategic move, as we saw the Dodgers do the year before, where they basically set out a free agency, reset their clock, and then you know they spent over a billion dollars this year. Now I'm not saying the Padres are going to spend over a billion dollars <laughs> next year, but there is you know you have to have some discipline in terms of how you're spending in order to avoid being penalized for it and i think the padres that's that's the kind of approach they're taking right now all right number four the portland trailblazers that was really hard for me to say apparently portland that sounded, but it also sounded like when you said all right on the last one that you were a little bit forlorn with that forlorn <laughs> yes <laughs> You sounded a little sad, like, you know what, you're right, right. we have to just accept it, Uh, all right. Man, you know me way too well, because that's exactly (laughs) what I was thinking. I said it last night, if we're talking about Noah Syndergaard as our big splash, we're kind of in trouble. Anyway, let's move on. Stop. The Portland Trailblazers are filing a protest with the NBA to challenge the result of a 111-109 loss to the Oklahoma City Thunder last night. Now, the Blazers are contending that Coach Chauncey Billups, with a 109-108 lead, was clearly calling a timeout on the sideline before a referee whistled a double dribble on guard Malcolm Brogdon with 15 seconds left in the fourth quarter in Oklahoma City. In response, Billups reacted angrily to what he believed was a failure to honor his timeout request. He was assessed two technical fouls, including a second, after marching onto the floor to argue, and then he was ejected in the final seconds of the game. So here is Chauncey Billups after the game. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, this was a tough situation. You know, we got timeouts. Referees usually are prepared for that. 
you know, that instance, that situation. I'm at half court trying to call a timeout, you know. It's just, it's just frustrating play. My guys play too hard for that, you know. It's a frustrating play. Tony, where do you stand on this? Do you agree with Chauncey Billups? It's hard to say. I certainly believe Chauncey Billups was calling timeout. If you just watch the play, you watch his body language, his reaction is of one of those who has been calling timeout and hasn't got it. I can't say the same for Malcolm Brogdon. Now, granted, his at some points in the video, his you can't see his mouth, but he doesn't look like a guy who's actually calling timeout until, you know, he got into some trouble there. Now, I think in NBA, it doesn't really matter. A, a coach can call a timeout as long as the referee hears it. Um, but, you know, the referee, you know, gets the benefit of the doubt in being able to say that he didn't hear now, I think Chauncey brings up a good point in his presser that, you know, these officials are trained to know, like, the spots where timeouts can come so that they'll, you know, kind of be looking for it. And and I think ultimately Chauncey's anger wasn't so was also that his guy got called for a travel while he double thought dribble. he, excuse me, a double dribble, why he thought that he was calling timeout. So uh, it's, it's hard to say. Whether Chauncey's right, I, I believe he was calling him a timeout, but the, the referee may not have heard it, unfortunately. We now go to our resident referee, Chris Sellers. <laughs> well, let me first say this: he's not going to win the uh, the the uh, you know the, they're the not going to overturn the result of the game. No, yeah, he's not no. going to win that, so he's going to lose this game. Uh, secondly, let me begin by saying this: as a referee, the hardest call during a game is not a charge or a block call, which is what most people think is. The hardest thing to call is timeout when somebody's yelling at you and you are focused on the play that is right in front of you. Right. And that is exactly what happened here. The official was looking at the play to see if there was going to be a foul, whether there was a travel, whether there might be a double dribble. Chauncey Billups was behind him. He could not see Chauncey Billups. Therefore, he did not recognize the timeout. Now, having said that, I do think the referees messed up a little bit here. And this is where Chauncey Billups' point comes into play. They are trained to look for something like this. I don't blame the official who was right on the scene for not hearing the timeout. Uh, but one of the other yeah, two guys should yeah. have been looking over at Chauncey Billups, recognizing he might want a timeout in this situation, and they could have whistled the timeout from across the floor or somewhere like that had one of those two been paying attention. The fact that they weren't paying attention is what cost the Portland Trailblazers yeah, here great and cost Chauncey Billups. I, I, I and think, one more, you know, go ahead, Tony. I, I, oh, I, I was going to say, Chris going. I was going to say, I think that is ultimately what got uh, Billups ejected. Because he yeah. went, he initially went at the referee that was there, but then he went at the other referees, probably making the same point that you're making, which is yeah. one of y'all should have called, seen me call timeout. No doubt about it. And I want to add this: as an official there, I think it was really wrong for them to give him a technical foul. You've got to understand how frustrated the guy's going to be when he's calling timeout to try to save the game, and you don't see it. Yeah. Now you're giving him a technical foul for your mistake, yeah. and I don't think that's right. And I don't think Oklahoma City should have been able to shoot free throws. Now they should have got the ball, and they might have still gone down and won the game, 
But I think the officials did mess up here. I'm not going to stick up for them entirely. Wow. All right. Good stuff. Was that a better all right, Chris, this time? Was I more excited? <laughs> you sound a little more right. satisfied with that one. Like, yeah, right. you sound a little more right. satisfied with that one. I can move on now. Yeah. Number three. This is news we did not talk about yesterday, but I'm going to bring it up because there's a lot of conversation about Tyreek Hill and his apparent divorce that he filed on Monday. It was reported by multiple news outlets. Tony, don't give me that look. It was reported by multiple news outlets yesterday, but Tyreek Hill denied it. Even though it's public record and you can look it up online, the issue here is Tyreek Hill, or sorry, I was reading way too quick. I didn't give my delivery. The issue here is... Tyreek Hill is open about everything in his life. He has a podcast. He's always seeking attention. He even said he wanted to be an adult actor after his playing career. But this is off limits to him. Pro Football Talk, not me, Pro Football Talk posed this question, Chris. Can he be mad at the media for reporting on this? Uh, I don't know. Is he mad at the media for reporting it? He's denying it on Twitter. He's denying it. That doesn't mean he's mad at the media for reporting it. I'm pretty sure he's mad at the media. Come on. Well, look, from what I read, from what I read, yeah, from what I read, I mean, the court filings indicate that he has filed for divorce. So I don't know, you know, what he's denying if it's a matter of public record. You know, but I can also understand that in your personal business and your personal life like this, it, you feel some type of way when some of this stuff gets made public. But no, I don't necessarily think he has a right to be angry. He is a public figure. He is somebody that commands a lot of attention. And news of him filing for divorce is going to be considered newsworthy. So, you know, and this one, Tyreek, you know, I'm sorry that that this happened or this has come out, but I don't really see any other way given the, given your you know, your spot in the spotlight. Here's what he tweeted yesterday. Boy, no the heck we didn't, so don't put that in the air. We were happily married and gone stay that way. But then you check the the not medical records, you check the records and there is a divorce petition in there. All right, Tony... Does he have a right to be furious with the media for reporting on this? So <laughs> now bo- he's this, furious. this is a bogus question. <laughs> this is not a bogus and question. It's a great question. Secondly, he's, a great we don't question. know that he's furious or even mad at the media for this from That's that right. standpoint. We don't. Um, no, he's, he, well, he, he quote tweeted the newspaper that. Yeah, he does, does that say, I'm mad at you. I don't think he says it like that. <laughs> have you ever heard him on his podcast? <laughs> um, I'm going to say, to answer the ridiculous question, no, he has no right to be mad at the media. And to put in parentheses, he's not mad at the media. Um, <laughs> but no, he, well, it, it's, it's obvious. It, once it becomes public record, I mean, you filed for it. Now you have the right to withdraw that. Yeah, and guess true. what? They're going to report on that one, too. So... You know, it, it, I don't think that he's mad, but, you know, maybe just trying to keep that portion. My conspiracy secret. theory about this one is oh, that. Oh, Lord. You got a conspiracy on this? Yes. The fire that broke out of his house when the child lit something on fire was under the mother's supervision. And so that's uh, why he's, he's divorcing. Because yeah. he's like, Jeez, you burned a please. hole in my house. Yeah. I think she's here. divorcing him for the way he played in the in the uh, in December and in the playoffs. <laughs> to be honest with you, <laughs> she was the one. Yeah, I mean, she could because remember she was the one telling him get back in the game all the time. That's right. When he got hurt, she got angry. Number two. 
The Buffalo Bills fans and organization are looking for some answers after another early playoff exit, and one of the positions with a lot of conversation around it is their kicker. Tyler Bass has been good, but he struggled mightily this season. He went 26 for 34 on field goals, including a pretty bad 2 for 5 in the postseason. Though he was pretty good on extra points, 56 of 57. But Tony, when is it time to change your kicker? When is it time to change? Like, do you think the Buffalo Bills are going to go in a different direction after he missed eight Uh, field goals this year? It's a possibility. Is there better kickers out there? I mean, you know, I I don't know. I don't think so. How? I I mean, every every so often, I mean, every few years, you don't see kickers stay with the same team throughout their their career. I mean, even somebody like Vinatieri eventually changed changed stripes. Yeah. Um. Yeah, in case of, if we're talking about the Buffalo Bills, yes, I can see them moving on. Uh, they've they've tasted, they've gotten to this point very often, and whether Tyler Bass has been the reason or not, sometimes you can just get caught up in in change, and maybe that's where that's part of the change that will happen for Buffalo. But in general, I'd say I don't know if you're a good kicker. Every six years. No. Change. That's just That's a, a guess. That's a job security Just a right guess. Uh, Chris, when is it time to change your kicker, you think? I think when you miss eight field goals during the course of a regular season and then miss two crucial ones in the first playoff game and miss a, a game-deciding one in the second game. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like about time to change your kicker. Now, uh, you know, I mean, this day and age in the NFL, these guys are kicking at about a 90 percentage rate. They're not missing eight field goals per year, and if they are, they're not staying on the roster. I mean, field goals have become almost automatic, and and even ones from beyond 50 yards. So, um, you know, I think the Buffalo has to look at changing their kicker. Now, the other thing, though, is they're going to make a big mistake if they think changing their kicker is the only, (laughs) you know, thing that ails that team. They, they, you know, they were not healthy at the end of the season defensively. And, you know, I think they did better this year in the run game to help Josh Allen, but they're going to have to figure out what to do with Stephon Diggs. I mean, they completely lost this guy at the end of the year, uh, and, and he just didn't contribute and then uh, dropped the big pass in the, in, the, in the playoff game. So Buffalo has, you know, more problems than just their kicker, and, and, and so that's what, you know, they have to come to grips with that. You know, I just want to say this about this, the Steph Diggs and, and Josh Allen. They've been relatively quiet, really, since the very beginning of the season when there was some um, talk of there being some type of dysfunction between the two. Now, Diggs didn't go over 100 yards, but he still had 100-plus catches. So, although the yardage may not have been there, which might be the bigger issue than the issue everybody's making of personalities, and maybe that Stefan is, is having to... Re reinvent himself because you know separation may not be the thing that he can get as much anymore, which may be why he had a ton of catches and very little yards. Or I shouldn't say very little, not the average yards per catch that we're used to seeing. Uh, it'll be interesting. I, my guess is if they decide to move on, it'll be more because of that than any of the stuff that we're talking about. Tony just said he lost a step. I like that. I mean, oh, I was that, trying to set you up to like, you know, make. That's fun what of happens. Me, but, that's uh, what happens to all players when they I wind know. up on my fantasy oh, roster. Oh, I didn't know that. They all lose a that. step.
Yes. Well, he still was pretty good for you because in a PPR league, he's he cleaning catches. up. But he not- did, but I will tell you, the last month, he was uh, very, very ineffective. So, you know, we'll see. Next year, I'm gonna draft, next year, I'm going to draft all 49ers, Scraby, so that you won't your, your NFL team will fail miserably. I don't like to hear that, by the way. <laughs> Do not draft any of them. We talked about Jason Kelsey being one of the highlights of the Bills-Chiefs game on Sunday night. He was having a good old time shirtless and drunk during the game. You guys see him take a shot out of the bowling ball uh, with the Bills Mafia. That was pretty fun. I've never done that. That's something I can't mark off my drinking bucket list is taking a shot out of a bowling ball. Anyway, some people were not as big of fans as we were of his afternoon. The critics say oh, God. he should have stayed out of the spotlight and that he just wanted attention here. I don't think that's true. I'm sure Jason Kelsey gets plenty of attention. But, Chris, do you have any issues with this fun on Sunday? Absolutely not. It was. Uh, I enjoyed the fact that he stepped in front of Taylor Swift several times. <laughs> Spare us from. No, I'm just. I'm. You know. Look, I, he was having a good time. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. I mean, you know, we're we're allowed to have a good time in this life and not be criticized for it or shouldn't be criticized for it. And you know, I mean, was was John Harbaugh trying to take away from Jim Harbaugh's spotlight? When he came over and gave him a hug on the sidelines during the national championship game, I thought I did. It was so random that he ran up to him. Random is his brother in the middle of a game. Get out of here! You think Jim Harbaugh would run up to John in the middle of the game and be like, "Hey, buddy, good luck"? Well, he was at the game the other day, and they did show a shot of him up. Well, yeah, up in the box and then down on the f- field after the game. I To be fair, look, Jim so- has never won anything prior to that. No. John uh, has the big dog stats. He can walk on the field. He's right. a Super Bowl champion. All right. Don't yeah. you forget. I, I, I had no problem with this, Gravy. We should be able to have fun. Jason Kelsey was having fun. That's that's good by me. I will say I saw a funny tweet, and it was meant in fun, but they said, when I do this, it's time to go home. When Jason Kelsey does this, it's celebrated. Hey, Super Bowl champ, baby. Uh I think it was hilarious. He wasn't a champ, by the way. Yes, he was. He won. Ah, oh, dang He's it! He's been a Super Bowl champ. He did. Scrape. Sorry, but uh, I think it was hilarious. And I apparently he was told by his wife that he better not do this. He he made it known to his wife oh, that yes. he was going to end up shirtless. Yeah. Uh, at some point in this yeah, game, and yeah. just to be prepared. Now she threatened that he better not, and he was like, "I wasn't really asked permission. I'm just it's letting you know happen. it's going to happen." <laughs> and you know, I love it. It's just the, he he made the point to his wife that you know I he was passed out when he first met her. He's talking about first impressions with oh, Taylor wow. Swift. So this is kind of this is kind of the Jason Kelsey kind of charm, if you will. I, I kind of love it that he just didn't care that he was meeting Taylor Swift for the first time. He was just doing well. That his was thing. the thing. His wife said, "Hey, we're meeting Taylor. Do not embarrass me." And he was like, "Well, I was passed out drunk the first time I met you." So, man, that's well, a his story daughter and Jason. Yeah, Jason Kelsey's daughter had the best line of all. Yes, she did. When she said, "Hey, my, I can see my daddy's boobies. Better put them away." <laughs> that was pretty good. It seems like they have a fun family. All right, that's it for the Big Five. When we get back, we're going to recap you on the biggest news of the day. we still got to find some, Tony. We'll talk about it. Still searching. 97.3 The Fan. Hey, everyone. Welcome into the happy hour. Tony Gwynn Jr., Matt Scraby. Just the two of us taking you to 6 o'clock after you get the Scraby Chronicles. Yes, just the two of us. 
Just we can make it if we try. Just to that, like that. Here Go comes ahead. here comes the chat saying, "Please never sing again." <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> Got to have a little soul sometimes. Yes, a little uh, bit. The breaking news: Jim Harbaugh is the Chargers' new head coach, and the more keeps trickling out. Five year deal. Dang, giving him some time. Although we know a five year deal doesn't mean anything because. Um, because you can fire your coach, but and you still have to pay him. Chargers aren't going to be paying him for stuff he's not doing. Come on now. Yeah, well, I, I would. That's the plan, at least. That's the plan. Yes. <laughs> that is the plan. Uh, they still are without a GM. Look to fill that position up. Usually, you go GM then coach, but they're going. This is the Charger way. Well, head he, coach then GM. I, I think they're pouncing on the opportunity. He Touché. was he was now, meeting with let, them. Here's the thing: the Chargers. They didn't just fall to this. They had, I think I read 15 interviews. And they interviewed every name that you can think of. I mean, the Ben Johnsons of the world got an interview. Uh, I don't know that they interviewed Belichick. I don't think I saw his name on that list. I don't know that I did either. Vrabel, they got him on there. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of the names that we know. I don't know if I saw Pete Carroll, although Snoop Dogg said his buddy Pete Carroll wanted that job. The Chargers job. Yeah, the Chargers job. Um, but anyway, they went through 15, uh, as we talked about earlier, Jim Harbaugh was scheduled to meet with Atlanta today. He canceled it. We know why now he gets a five-year deal. Now money has not been at least leaked out at this point, but, um, the chargers, as you said, I think after doing the extensive interviewing, they got their man. They also interviewed in house, uh, the gentleman that took over as interim coach, uh, Jeff, I can't yes, remember his yes, last yes, name. yes. He he got he got. The only reason I remember his first name is because it's spelled G I F F. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, Kellen Moore also got an interview um, out of this bunch. So they settled on uh, they they pounced. I think that's to Straby's point. I think that's why they didn't hire GM first because the candidate that they I think they had in mind from the very beginning. He was the first interview I think that they gave outside of the organization. Um, they get their man. I don't know that we'll ever find out the money. Now I think about it, you don't really hear about how much money coaches make. Like we don't have any idea. Baseball, how much you do now. Made. This is like yeah, the new thing. Yeah, You're like get, getting the price tags now. I would assume that he's probably top ten paid coaches in the league now. Does the five year deal surprise you? I think no. it feels like that's the standard yeah, deal yeah. for a, a head coach. Yeah, it seems like a standard deal because. Like you if we need don't to give like them a little you before, bit of time. then we'll just fire you and pay you then. It's like, yeah, we don't we don't necessarily we're not making a huge commitment to you, but we are making a commitment to you that if you're doing well, you can't leave. Yeah. Because we're you we're under contract. You're under contract with us, is what I meant to say. Um remind me again where we were going. Uh this cool story from Russell Westbrook. Oh, well, we'll do that and one that, first. Adrian Griffin later. One of the reasons why I'm a big fan of Russell Westbrook. He uh doing an interview the night. Two nights before they beat the Lakers, um, had a good game. The young man who's interviewing, it's his first interview. Clearly he's been, you know, kind of, and Scraby would know this, I would know, people who are in the industry know you don't just get to have a mic in your in no. your hand and do interviews. You just, a lot of grunt work you got to do. No money. <laughs> not getting Long paid. hours. But, you know, they will off sometimes, if you work hard in those certain spots, someone will give you a chance. Yep. This young man got a chance to interview Russell Westbrook after the game. Here's what happened. First of all, no. Congratulations to you, bro. First night tonight. 
Give a round of applause to my boy, man. Been doing for a long time. Congratulations, brother. Appreciate you, brother. Appreciate you. This young man had clearly been around. He'd been around this club. They had seen him. Gets a chance to interview. Doesn't even get into the first question before no. Westbrook, you know, puts him on the stage basically in front of the folks in that arena. That's a pretty. Honestly, that's pretty cool. I got chills. Yeah, just because like knowing how nervous he probably was to interview Russell Westbrook I, to begin I, with. The fact that he acknowledged. That he knew him well enough to know it was his first this time. Is his first time doing for it. it. They probably like being that guy. You know, sometimes I'll go and I'll just say hey to a player, and they'll see me walking around here and there. We don't really know each other, but they'll see me. They'll know I'm with Tony, and and they just like it, you form somewhat of a little tiny relationship. Right, right. Not necessarily in that depth, but yeah, yeah. Clearly. Russ had been paying attention to that. Yeah, and if someone, if one of the Padres was like, hey, Scrape, what's up? I'd be like, oh, my God, he knows my name. <laughs> that is that is a testament to Russell Westbrook's character. Yeah. At, which had been assassinated pretty much all of last year, year, you know, prior to him becoming a Clipper. But I thought I'd share that. I like That's those huge. type of moments yeah. uh, that, um, you know, athletes don't always get a chance to show. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, nevertheless, uh, is it was it Kelsey? What was the other? Uh, Kelsey's at five twenty, but we're going to talk about um, Giannis. No, but right here, Adrian Griffin. Adrian but Griffin. So, Travis Kelsey admitted something that you need to hear in the next segment. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Adrian Griffin, Milwaukee Bucks former head coach. We we told you we some more stuff started has started. Stories have started to come out as they typically do when a player or coach is let go or fired abruptly. Uh, in this case. Milwaukee did something that I don't know that very many teams do as they in, did, went through this interview process. After, like, the first two stages, the third stage, Adrian Griffin met with the players. Those players were Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, I believe Chris Middleton, yep. and Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday. Now, mind you, Andrew, Adrian Griffin is known as a defensive-minded coach. He's credited for the to, for the Toronto Raptors championship the year they were able to beat Golden State. Um, now he gets the job. Fast forward, they trade Drew Holiday, who is one of the premier perimeter defenders. He's an All NBA defensive member. I would say that that's a pretty big uh, change. I, even if you get Damian Lillard. You, you, this team, is he good at defense? He's not the defender that Drew Holiday is, right? <laughs> he's a much better offensive player than Drew yeah. Holiday is, yeah. but not the same. So there's one thing that kind of went against uh, Adrian Griffin before he even got started, right? The guy he was pretty much going to anchor the defensive round wasn't there. You're getting a better offensive player. All right, so you have to make the adjustment. But it seemed like as early as preseason – the players, specifically Giannis, were confused about the way the defenses were going. And to be more specific, Brooke Lopez, who was an all-NBA defender last year, got to play near the rim. And as a seven-footer, that's where they're most comfortable. They get to protect the rim, block shots. They don't have to run around Right, and Adrian Griffin's defense, they did something called blitzing. So when they run that pick-and-roll and the guy sets the screen, the guy who's guarding the screener comes up. He blitzes the guy with the ball so that he can't turn the corner. Okay. But, you know, when you have a seven-footer that may not be the most athletic, that can be a problem to get back now, to rotate back to your position. Yeah. It sounded like 
this was a problem even after they were, you know, 16 and four. They were having these meetings. At some point, I think the 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 captains of that team met with Adrian Griffin to try to get him to maybe meet them in the middle in yeah. terms of an adjustment because they knew defensively this wasn't working. Now, remember, this team has won a, a championship. They made some deep runs. So the, with the main, with mostly everybody still intact. So they have a good idea of what it's going to take in terms of defensively, and it was clear that they weren't where they needed to be. They went from the top of the d- league in defense to the bottom of the league in defense. Not all the way, but 27th. That's the bottom. That's pretty much the bottom. For them, it is. And so I, it sounds like it just got to a point that regardless of the 30-13 and 13 record, they felt like there were not – the adjustments weren't being made and they had to go a different route. Now, there's this big article on ESPN from Ramona Shelburne and uh, another writer, but they go into deep detail. And what I find kind of strange is that the owner of the Cavs uh, – or Cavs, um, Bucks, Bucks, John Horst, I believe his name is. These guys go all the way GM, back. GM, I think. He's or a GM, GM, yeah. So they go all the way back to like 15 years ago. He even – if I'm reading the article correct, he named his dog after Griffin because they were in the elevator and they were talking and he's like, hey, I can't find a name for my Griff. That's a great name. Right. He was inspired by it. Yeah, he was inspired by it. So what I don't understand here is, is this the players not wanting to try something new? Are they buying into this? Are they are, are they giving up so many points because they're not bought into it and they're not maybe giving it the 100 percent? I don't think we know, but. It doesn't seem like something Giannis is is in his character just to not try something because he doesn't agree with it. It, it sounded like they were their antennas were already up in preseason, yeah, and things have only gotten worse since then from a defensive standpoint. Yeah, and the assistant coach who was uh, who was hired on with them to kind of guide Adrian Griffin through his first year, Terry he, Stotts. Terry Stotts. We, we had quit. We, we 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 went over this. Yeah, I think the very beginning of the season. Yeah, there was a, a an alter. Terry Stotts was brought in, and he's the former Portland Trail Blazer coach. He had Damian Litter for quite a time. Um, was brought in to kind of assist the first-year head coach and kind of be his right hand. He didn't even want to be there for the Apparently, the there was a disagreement, and it was such a big disagreement that Terry Stotts quit before the season even began. See, that's alarming. That's the first. I think that was the outside of the preseason issues. That was the second issue that had everybody's antennas up. Terry Stotts is a well-respected coach um, in the league. And so after that happened, it sounded like the brass really pushed Adrian Griffin to try to find some type of mentor, and he did. He found, ironically, Doc Rivers. Ironically or planned? I don't know, but he reached out because of his relationships with Doc Rivers. Who was the other? Oh, Lionel Hollins. Yes. Was the other coach that he reached out to to try to help mentor him in terms of that defensive side that – you know, as a head coach, they they might see a little bit differently. Ironically, the guy who ends up replacing him is one of the mentors that he reached out to in Doc hmm, Rivers. Very curious, very very strange. I knew turn the, of events. I knew the conspiracy theorist in you would. I mean, would I don't really think there's there. a conspiracy here. I think what happened was the players just didn't like playing for him. He maybe didn't want to listen to the players, and they just didn't get along. But it has to be pretty bad for them to fire him before the middle point of the year. I mean, what were they thirty and fifteen? Or 40, 30 and 13. Yeah. So they had just played over half their games. I, I, I will say this. 
and I heard Stephen A. mention this a few months back, that the Milwaukee Bucks will have no problem moving on if Giannis ultimately is like, this ain't working. Part of that I'm not a fan of. I, I think you you are you play with what you're given and if you're making if you're calling shots for your organization now, like that would make any coach not want to go there. What if they don't what if I don't get along with Giannis? Then I'm gonna be out. I don't think coaches go into it with that mindset. They go into it with the mindset, oh, he's gonna connect with me. I, I've got the goods that'll get him where he wants to go. And he seems like a reasonable person. I don't know him, obviously, but he, he I does. don't ever I, read anything about him being crazy. The, the, mere, the fact that Terry Scott, Terry Stotts quit would lead you to believe that this is probably not. I mean, yes, Giannis is going to be the one that is like, hey, I don't know if this is working. But when you see coaches go out before a season starts, that just that doesn't happen. No. Doesn't happen very Definitely often. not before the season. No, not before the first. This game. guy was like, "It's going to be so bad for me during the year. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this." Yeah, that's well, bad. It's tough. Uh, they will. Uh, I think their new coach will make his debut tomorrow. If I'm not mistaken, Doctor's already yeah. in the saddle. He's, he's ready to roll. All right, <laughs> let's get to break. When we come back, the Kelseys back at it again. Podcasting away. Podcasting away. We got a little clip that uh, might explain. A little bit about this ball going out of the end zone issue. More Gwen and Chris on the way. 522 on the clock. Into the happy hour. Ladies and gentlemen, Tony Gwynn Jr. Matt Scravy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're almost done. Uh, the Kelsey boys. The Kelsey brothers. Or Kelsey. <laughs> I like the first one. Oh, yes. Brothers. Yes. As uh, we were made aware of last week. Yeah. Uh, Travis, in this case... Had some insight on the uh, Hartman fumble that rolled into the end zone that sparked conversation of the rule being banned. We played for you. The uh, the spiritual look at it earlier from Ryan Clark. <laughs> yes. But here is some insight from Travis Kelsey on actually what went down. You guys fumbled through the back of the end zone. Dude, I'm not going to lie. I owe me Cole a f- a new car or something. I owe so much to him, man. Why is that? My block was the one that knocked the ball out. I've been f-ing sick. I told him I apologize to him every single time I f-ing saw him today, and I'll apologize again. My bad, McCole, man. My guy's just trying to be great and get the ball in the end zone, and I'm thinking it's a it's a speed type speed where outside where outside if the guy goes inside yeah he can't be right if he goes underneath you he finished the play better than i did got a hand on the ball and man i owe my guy big time man there's nothing worse than giving up the ball especially in in a situation i mean he's fired up to get after it again though i know my guy he he wants another opportunity to get the ball and show what he can do with it and uh sure enough you'll see him next sunday now being on the side of it which is the side you don't want to be on do you still like the rule that if you fumble it's fine it's a rule rules are rules that's how it works yeah, that's why I said I owe, I owe you, big dog. My bad, man. That should have never even happened. We've been on record. We like the rule, and uh, this doesn't change it. See, it's funny that the players are the ones that like the rules. It's everybody. It's really, it's really outside, outsiders who are like, change the rule. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's one of the worst things that can happen to you if it's your team that right. fumbles it out of the end zone. Right. But I really think it's it, it's, it's sacred ground. <laughs> I hate that Ryan Clark completely argued my point, but in a way better way. And now you're sold on it. Sacred ground, man. Now you're sold on it. But what I what I do like about the, the that podcast, I don't listen to every single episode. But what I think is really cool is that they're going through the season and commenting on everything that's happening yeah. with their teams, and you don't get inside access like that. And these yeah. guys are very honest. 
They they seem to be really honest. Um, and it what made it interesting is that both of them at some point in the season had like bad periods. The Eagles to finish out the season were atrocious. I would say the Kansas City Chiefs right in the middle part where the drops were at their highest, Travis Kelsey was having to talk about that. Yeah. And we got to hear from him. It's a unique experience, A, because it's not often as you get two brothers that are at a very playing at a very high level. Very high level. At the highest level. Yeah. Um, but to also have two guys who one I think is made for for cameras and Travis Kelsey. Like he I mean, he's had his own reality show. Like he's he knows how to how to act. And then the then Jason on the other on the other hand, who's not necessarily made for for TV. I don't know if you really want. He his, cares. It, it, I don't think he cares. I think that's what makes him people be able to relate to him. Yeah, he's not. He doesn't conduct himself like a he, dude who has a bunch of money and is is in the NFL. Yeah, it's totally true. I mean, you saw him in the Buffalo tailgate. They dude also was, talked about that. On this the dude episode. was not only at the Buffalo tailgate, but hopped in front of Taylor Swift on many occasions, shirtless. With a beer in his hand. I yeah. mean, we all have gone to school with somebody who is, resembles Jason Kelsey. I know I did at San Diego State. See, I was that guy, but I never took my shirt off. <laughs> you kept your so shirt off. I kept my shirt on. I didn't want to be the guy with my shirt off. Why did but... you take your shirt off, man? Uh, you know, that's just not for me. Not for me, man. I'm just not a big shirt off guy, I guess. <laughs> but... Well, let me let me rephrase that. I'm not, not a, a big, big shirt, shirt off, guy. off guy at parties okay. when I'm drinking. That makes sense. Uh, by the way. The Bucks are in action today, but I do not believe Doc Rivers is a part of that action. They are taking on the Cleveland Cavaliers at home right now. So, um, yeah, man, still waiting for the – hopefully you get to see this price. Oh, you know what it is we were going to talk about? Draymond Green. Oh, yes. That's what we were going to talk about. Yes, yes, uh, yes. USA team, we talked a little bit about this yesterday, they released their pool. Not on that list was Draymond Green. Of course, he was a part of the Team USA that that won a gold medal. Um, however, he's not on this list. He's not in this pool as of now. And it was cited. Grant Hill, who is running the um, Team USA, cited this suspension as a reason why he's not being invited. And, uh, you know, they could have they sugar-coated that. They could have said a whole bunch of different things, but... I think that's a message sent. Like, listen, if you're going to be a part of this, and by, by the way, as, as I said, he's been a big contributor to USA basketball. Basketball, mm-hmm. yeah. If you're going to be a part of this, you're going to have to tighten up. I think that's part of the message. I think there'll be another opportunity for him to get in there. They have, okay, they, they I have didn't, these different. I didn't know that. Yeah, they have these different pool things that pop up. Um, I don't think it'll be his last opportunity. So this is like kind of uh, hey, you better ship up, or we're gonna or shape we'll, up, or we'll, we're gonna ship we'll, you out. We'll, we'll, we'll move on, as my mom would say. We'll move on. Shape up or ship out. Yeah, I didn't get it in those words, but no, it, I, I it, got it delivered the yeah, same message. Though, I got basically. either uh, a wooden spoon to the hand, or I got oh, soap in the mouth. Wooden spoon, man. I don't know what it was with the moms in the eighties, but. Wooden spoons. I also, I, got, I didn't, I didn't get the belt, but they made loud noises with the belt, <laughs> and it scared me. I never got the belt, <laughs> but it scared me. He just comes in, whack, and I'm like, okay, I'll be good now. Yeah, I'll yep. be good now. Wooden spoon. I can close my eyes and see that coming from the front seat. 
You know, I don't agree with hurting children, but I deserved everything. It was a different time. It was a A different different time. time. I should not have called my mom that word after she turned off my video games. That was was immediate soap in the mouth. He was a wild man. I don't think I'd be here if I used that word. Well, I got away with it because my dad was on a business trip. Yeah, it wouldn't have mattered. And this was the mid-90s. You'd have found my body somewhere. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) (laughs) There's just no shot. All right, let's get to break. Uh, when we return, Brent, Brent Sebleski. Sebleski. He was great today. He was awesome today. You'll get a chance to get yourself ready. I know we're a few days away still from uh, the championship weekend, but we'll get you a little bit closer on Gwen and Chris. Ben and Woods on the fan. National Compliments. Peanut Butter Day. Ooh. 5.36 on the clock. Brent Sebleski coming up here shortly. Talk a little NFL. Got a few minutes to kill here before that, though. Yesterday, Jim Leland. Drawing a blank. Adrian Beltre. Adrian Beltre. <laughs> Joe Maurer. Your guy. Yeah. Joe Maurer. And, and Todd Helton. And Todd Helton all got into the Hall of Fame. He told a story about your dad. I don't know exactly what the story was, but so, it was past this so clip Her- along. Harold Reynolds, um, he had spoke to my dad at some point, beginning of... Todd Helton's career. I don't know how it came up, but he was telling Todd that my dad immediately knew he would be a Hall of Famer at some point. Um, and then Todd proceeded to tell a story about my dad uh, giving him one of his old tricks in terms of where his eyes start. When you're in the box and you're looking out as a hitter, sometimes your your eyes have a tendency to kind of wonder, hmm. right? And so my dad used to focus on the logo of the cap because it was less distance for his eyes to travel to go from the logo on the cap to that imaginary box that the yeah. ball comes out. And it was something he told Todd Helton. Todd Helton used it from that point on in his career. I mean, it's not a major thing, but... No, but it clearly it, helped him. It, it, it makes a lot of sense. You get under the box, you're looking out there, if you lock in on that... Logo of the hat, all you got to do is just, if right-handed pitcher, you just got to slide it over just a little bit, a few inches to, to the right or to your left, and you're right in that box. Hmm. Yeah. Never even, I mean. It got me to thinking. Okay. About next year's Hall of Fame. Who, who were the first-timers? And there's two first-ballot Hall of Famers coming up next year. First-ballot. First-ballot, in my okay. opinion. CC Sabathia. Oh. And Ichiro. Oh, Ichiro's a hands-down. Yeah. But CC, that's that's interesting. I didn't know. I didn't realize that numbers. he just qualified for the first time. Yeah, five years out now, and so yeah, man, he's he's well liked too. Well liked. I don't know any media member that don't like him. Yeah, and he was really good. Yeah. So there's that. I always told myself that would be the next time I go. Hopefully, the bosses will allow me to go up to Cooperstown. As long as I can go. <laughs> see, I just keep trying to, to get see myself my man CC in there. Uh, All right, let's get to our interview of the day. Brett Sebleski joined us earlier. Here's a little traffic before you get to it. This is why we tune in every Sunday and watch the National Football League. And joining us is Brett Sebleski from Bleacher Report. Brent, always great to have you on. How are you doing today? This is a fantastic time of year, NFL fans. It very much is. Now, the weather, for someone in Ohio sitting in a man van while it's pouring down rain and my son's at a guitar lesson, that's a whole different thing altogether. Yeah, yeah. The weather wasn't hasn't been great. I mean, some of these games have certainly been affected by the weather, but you know, this is what it's interesting. You know, you play a whole NFL season, and then 
Playoff football is is different, and, and it's not just different because of the intensity. It's different because of the style of play, and you know the the great teams are the ones that can adapt in in January, aren't they, Brent? I agree, and you know I think when you go on a Super Bowl run, it's a culmination of factors, right? It's talent, it's depth, and where you are from an injury standpoint, it's good coaching, and you've got to sprinkle in a little bit of that lightning in the bottle, right? Catching. Catching a team at the right time or igniting at the right time as an offensive unit, and I'll use the Kansas City Chiefs as a perfect example. Right, what we see from them now offensively is different than what we saw at the beginning of the year. Yes, the talent overall is relatively the same, but when you have Isaiah Pacheco, who you can bring in and run downfield like he's the juggernaut and at 210 pounds with that physicality, that's that establishes a new identity, right? And it's not just him. It's now beyond Travis Kelsey. It's You now have Rasheed Rice, who up until this last game had led Kansas City in targets in the six previous games. You have Marquez Valdez-Scantling making big plays down the field. That's why you come away with a huge win in Buffalo, because you are getting play from players you didn't expect earlier in the year. You caught that lightning in a bottle, and now you're peaking at the correct time. And obviously, Brett, these playoff games are going to be and have been exceptional this far. Before we get into that, though, I want to ask you a little bit about this coaching carousel that we got going. Uh, Bill Belichick seems to be, at least he started out being the guy for the Falcons. Mm -hmm. Now it seems like it's slowed up a little bit. Uh, Hardball cancels a meeting with the Falcons. It seems to be reported that the Chargers have the end. How do you see... Those two franchises in particular, who do you see them end up with the head coach? Well, when it comes to the Chargers, I still believe that Jim Harbaugh is the favorite. If, I, if I'm correct, I'm, he's still in town as we're speaking. So um, that's a situation where he would feel most comfortable and should because it's the most it has the most potential of all the openings based purely on the fact you have Justin Herbert as quarterback. Yeah. None of the other openings you're walking into a job with a bona fide franchise quarterback sorry carolina you picked wrong at number one overall (laughs) so when it came to that if he wants to leave a really cushy job arguably the best job in america right now michigan then you do so for the chargers now atlanta is different and i think a lot of that has to do on multiple factors one um I, i the juxtaposition of the way this interview process and ongoing is fascinating to me right now your potential lead candidates right are bill belichick who if hired would be the oldest head coach in the nfl or bobby slowick who if hired would be the youngest head coach in the nfl and and that's and that's really that's really the division that you're seeing within that hiring process they want to go through it they want to see which guy is best fit for them and that's absolutely what they should do it shouldn't just be well it's bill belichick look at my resume Okay, well, that resume has not been good lately, and by all reports, you want to bring with you Josh McDaniels, Matt oh. Patricia, oh. Joe Judge. Why would you want those guys necessarily? <laughs> Furthermore, we don't know um, yet whether Bill Belichick is demanding any type of say in personnel matters, okay? So if you're Los Angeles, as an example, and Jim Harbaugh comes in and he wants to have a say in general manager, you can do that. If you're Atlanta, your general manager is already in place and has been for the last couple of years. So I think that's why you see a little more variation with Atlanta, with them trying to figure out what direction they ultimately want to take, whereas the charges, it seems a little more straightforward. Brent Sabluski is with us from Bleacher Report. We are uh, excited every time we get a chance to talk some football with him. Brent, the Detroit Lions, 
I, I mean, I don't think it's unfair to say they've been the most, uh, you know, most unsuccessful franchise, not just in football, but maybe in all the sports. I mean, when you don't win a playoff, you win one playoff game in 65 years. But now here they are sitting on the precipice of their first Super Bowl, uh, you know, and they got to beat the 49ers to get it. How did Dan Campbell, how did the Lions go from where they've always been to where they are now? Well, as, again, sitting in Ohio, I'm sure there was Browns fans listening to the way you framed that, like, wait a second, <laughs> wait a second. <laughs> then again, Detroit probably does have that argument, and I, I want to start a petition to get that game played in Detroit this weekend just because it would be such an amazing atmosphere. It's it's truly special to watch, and you try to detach yourself when you're analyzing these games and these teams, but it's hard not to root for them. It really is because of everything they endure, because that fan base, you see all these wonderful introspective stories before the games about the the 90-year-old Lions season ticket holder or the guy's dad who passed away and he wants to see the team win in his honor and so on and so forth. It's, just, it's wonderful, and it's those stories that make sports amazing. With that said, to answer your question, it's just about building properly and putting in the infrastructure necessary to win long-term, and that's where – Detroit really faltered, and whether we're going back to when they had Matthew Stafford, a number one overall pick, um, and how he was basically beat all up during his time, hit more than any other quarterback during that stretch he was with the organization, much like Andrew Luck had to endure with the Indianapolis Colts. That's how you ruin great players, great talents. You, you're not patient with certain coaches. Dave, David Caldwell did a great job with the Lions, but you know what? Nine and seven wasn't good enough. So you hired Matt Patricia. Come on people. So now you go out and get the people that create the philosophies of who you want to be in an identity and you stick to that and you adhere to it. And you, and you now have a team that's built the way you imagined and they're playing like it. That I know it does. It sounds vague, but it's the reality of the NFL that if you, as long as ever an organization's all pulling in the same direction, that's when you often find the most success. Chris Bleski joins us here in breaking down these championship weekend games. And let's stay in that Detroit-San Francisco game. After this past weekend, there has been a lot of conversation about Brock Purdy and where he falls. Listen, I think two things can be true, right? Brock Purdy is a is is an excellent young quarterback, and he seems to be getting better you know, as he goes out there. But where do we put him in terms of the class, right? I think Mahomes is at the top of that class. Josh Allen, I would have to say, is still at the top of that class. Where does Brock Purdy fall in these young quarterbacks, whether we're talking Mahomes or or Jackson or um, or, or Josh Allen? I mean, and, and, and we're missing uh, my man from Cincinnati who was hurt all year. Uh, Joe Burrow, where does he fall in the list of these young quarterbacks? Well, first of all, thank you for pointing out that he is a young quarterback, right? Yeah. We're, we're, he's supposed to be Joe Montana at this point, and he's not even done with year two as a starter. And furthermore, it's not only he's not done with year two, he missed almost the entirety of the preseason and offseason because of uh, elbow surgery on his throwing arm. So there's obviously you're going to experience ups and downs with any young quarterback. I mean, we, we have become so spoiled with guys like Lamar Jackson and yeah. Patrick Mahomes and yeah. Josh Allen that we forget what it took to develop them to that point. They didn't step in the league and were automatically great. Mahomes didn't even start his rookie year. 
you, uh, Lamar didn't start to what? The last two games of his rookie year, four right. games. Josh Allen took three to four years before he finally put it all together. It takes time. And physically, he's not on that level, right? I, I find it fascinating if you look at the two matches, matchups this coming weekend based on the, just on the quarterbacks. You have two trendsetters, guys that revolutionize the way we look at the quarterback position playing in AFC, that being Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. These guys, they are so special, it's not even funny to talk about anymore. Conversely, you look at the NFC, very different. I know Jared Goff was a number one overall pick, but what you don't say with Jared Goff is he is that same creative playmaker, the guy that extends plays, that works outside of structure. These guys are more of the old-school throwbacks. You want them to be able to navigate the pocket and work efficiently within your offense. And if you're looking at that type of quarterback where Brock Purdy falls, that's the type of quarterback I'm looking at. You can win at a high level in a good situation, and if you coach around him well, but at the same time, he's not going to give you that same level of play as a Josh Allen, a Patrick Mahomes, a Lamar Jackson, a Joe Burrow, and so on and so forth. So I, I put him in that next tier, not at the elite tier. There's only a handful of truly elite right. franchise quarterbacks in the NFL, and he's not one of them yet. Brent, I mean, Patrick Mahomes against uh, Lamar Jackson. Uh, you, I mean, they talk about jokingly that the NFL has script writers. Well, they couldn't have written a better one than this. I mean – Lamar Jackson's the MVP this season. Patrick Mahomes is the season. Uh, I, I don't know. Other than Tom Brady, there doesn't seem to be a better playoff winning quarterback. You know, maybe Montana, but Mahomes is already joining that discussion. Uh, how do you pick between the two of them on Sunday? I mean, what actually decides this game? Because I think we're looking at it as a quarterback battle, and in that regard, it's hard to see either team losing. Well, I'll disagree on one point. I'll disagree that this this is the optimal situation for the NFL because could you imagine if Buffalo and Detroit were playing in the Super Bowl against each other? How amazing would that be? Seriously. Everyone in the country would be looking just to see who finally did it. No doubt. <laughs> but beyond that, I don't know how you stop a Patrick Mahomes. And that's why even though uh, you know they're at a, a, a significant point differential along the betting lines coming into this game. They're a away team. You know, I don't. I'm not betting against it per se. I don't actually bet, but more than my pick during the week against Patrick Mahomes because of the things I mentioned earlier. Right? We can take what Baltimore's done all season, and their body of work is better than anyone else in the NFL. But what? How are they playing at this moment? Are they at peak efficiency? And I believe the Chiefs are getting better, and they're getting better every week, and they're getting better in areas where they were weak earlier in the year. I mentioned the wide receiver. I mentioned the running games, right, how those have expanded, how um, Mahomes has gained confidence in those players. But it's not just them. It's the defense, yeah. right? We don't give enough credit to Legereus Sneed and how he is on the outside. He is a legitimate shutdown corner. You don't give credit to Chris Jones when he drives Deion Dawkins into Josh Allen's backside, which causes the errant throw that everyone blamed on Josh Allen, but it was really the pressure from the the all-standout defensive end that made that happen. And so when you have those type of players with their experience, I love Lamar. I love that Ravens organization, how they operate. I I just can't – it's almost like when Tom Brady or Brett Favre were in their absolute primes. You, you, You just can't pick against them. Brett, we got about 35 seconds to a minute. And on this last one, Detroit 
49ers. You broke down, really, I thought, perfectly the two contrast between the two conferences. But can Detroit pull this off going into San Francisco or, excuse me, Santa Clara, Scravy, and, uh, and getting this victory? <laughs> I believe they can. And to me, you guys, we've had these discussions long enough. You know I'm a trenches guy. And when it comes to what Detroit has, they have the best offensive line in football, mm. period. And if they can keep golf upright, he can pick apart even San Francisco's defense. I think they have the talent on the outside with Amon Ross, St. Brown. Uh, you have it, Laporta at tight end. You have Jameer Gibbs out of the backfield, the speed with Jamison Williams, and then the emergence of Josh Reynolds in the postseason. So I believe they have that talent. Now, maybe that's me speaking with my heart a little bit because I, I mentioned earlier it's hard to really root against them. <laughs> I just I just think that they may be the team of destiny this year, even as good as San Francisco is. Well, Brent, we'll see how it goes. It's going to be fun. We know that, and it always is this time of year. It's always great talking to you. Uh, appreciate uh, all of your insight and your passion, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again uh, You know, down the road. It's always great having you out here in San Diego. Thanks. I'll just give you a heads up. Shoot me a line next week. I'll be down in Alabama for the Senior Bowl. Okay. We'll do Okay. Thank you we'll, for the tip. We'll definitely do that. Brent Sebleski right there from Bleacher Report, one of our absolute favorite guests here on Gwen and Chris, talking about the National Football League. That's going to do it for today's show. Chris Ello back in studio. The whole gang with you once again. Stay tuned. Scraby Chronicles up next. You guys have a good night. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. I'm Glennon Doyle, author of Untamed and host of the podcast, We Can Do Hard Things. On We Can Do Hard Things, my wife, Abby, my sister, Amanda, and I talk honestly about the hard parts of life. Join us and guests like Michelle Obama, Tracy Ellis Ross, and Brene Brown as we have refreshingly honest conversations. New episodes are out every Tuesday and Thursday. So listen to and follow We Can Do Hard Things, an Odyssey podcast, available now for free on the Odyssey app and everywhere you get your podcasts.